Welcome to episode 346 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, guys, welcome along to episode 346 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I am good to go, Bevan. You are good to go. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just turning this down a little bit loud. Hmm. Is, that, is that better? That's, that's not too bad. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, let's yeah. roll. You guys don't know what we're talking about, but well, let's just get the show on the sound road. Quality. After last week's show where the sound quality was a bit average, I know, I'm sorry. Yes. It was all my fault because I, could, I forgot to take my audio technica to Auckland. Mm. Then I bought a cheap mic from Dick Smith. Yeah. And Dick Smith. And it was all over Skype as well from the Kaiteri camping ground. Yeah. You were stealing some Wi Fi. Mm. Yeah. Paying all... for that. We're paying through the roof for that Wi Fi. What did it cost you? I got a week's worth of Wi Fi for 45 bucks. Oh. oh. And did they give you much? Yeah, that was. Um, I made sure because I was, I was thinking I was going to have to watch the uh, Lance Armstrong things on Oprah yep. on Wi Fi, but then it was on Discovery. So I could watch it on Discovery. So how many? How much? How many gigs did you get for forty-five pounds? <laughs> it's not an interesting way to show. I don't know. It was. It was. It was sufficient. Okay. Because like in the hotel I was staying at, twenty-four hours was like thirty bucks, and it got you like half a gig. Yeah. I was like, you're ripping me off. Millie, I didn't pay for it in the end, so it was all good. <laughs> I'm talking is proudly brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com for the world's most delicious coffee. Athletics.com for the world's most delicious athletes. And extreme endurance. For the world's most delicious. delicious. <laughs> and we've got some news on that one too. So look at that. We, we planned it, team. We planned it. Again, this week's show, what have we got happening here, John? We've got some news. We've got an age group of the week. No, we haven't. What no, we haven't. Because I, I didn't have my notes in front of me. I was, I was winging it. <laughs> Dylan McNeese is going to come on the show. And a few weeks ago, you weren't that, you weren't I, that I confident. He, he is going to take that Wanaka race. Nobody's yes. got a chance. And you predicted it and you yeah. got it right. Yeah. And we've also got Justin Deere from Endurance Corner. Yep. We've got a website of the week and yep. we've got some questions and answers. And let's start with the news. And let's be honest, John, there's not a huge amount of news at this time of year. But Israel Man happened last weekend. And I think it's Israel Man. Israel. There's no E in there, but it could be. Yeah, yeah you're probably right. Anyway, um, it was. <laughs> we, we consistently get emails from good old Aaron, uh, the interpreter, who, who what's, I think his yep. surname is, um, telling us about this race. But it was good to see that um, Slowtwitch really picked up on it. And they obviously, well, Timothy Carlson looked like he went over there and uh, really gave the race some, some fantastic How coverage. How happen? Surely Slowtwitch didn't pay Timothy Carlson well, to go would, cover, do a one-page article well, he, on a race. He's, I don't think he's a, well, he may be a Slowtwitch employee, but I'm sure he's just a freelance guy because we see him in Kona every year. He's the guy who wears the, yeah, uh, yeah, I know, Tim. the jacket. But, um, but the thing is... But I'm yeah. sure Israel Man may well have um, helped him to get over there as well because uh, had to, eh? this, this is fantastic PR for them. Well, I tell you what, race organizers I've, fly I've, us around the yeah, world. Yeah, exactly, fly us to Israel. Um, I think the thing that's really fascinating around it is that it looked like a limited hard race. Oh yeah, but it looked very hard. It's got over ten thousand feet of climbing. Firstly, that is a lot, and that's very difficult. But what made the difference this year and, and made it sound very, very hard is uh, is some pretty, pretty full-on wins. So, Vibrusic's time of ten twenty-two was his worst ever. Iron Man and he actually said he's done one hundred twenty-five Ironmen, and he said it was the hardest Ironman he's ever done. It is six oh five twenty-one was his worst ever Ironman bike split. And this guy won the race, and but he's saying that he he, he thought he actually wrote felt quite good, and you know Pete's he, he's sort of a you know 
between an eight thirty and a nine hour guy, depending yep. depending on the course. Um, and uh, it sounded pretty tough. I wonder what the, the, your typical age group is. Yeah, well, I, I didn't actually go and look at the the, the, the full results, but it's, it sounds like it's really um, grown as a race from having you know just a, a very small field to, to really having a, a decent sized field each year now and um, growing popularity and uh, good to see. But if you want to, it's one of those races. If you want a tough challenge, um, go and check it out. Well, the, the guys' race is only five minutes between the top three guys, so. Even then, it was a pretty interesting race. Yeah, Pete Verbusik was saying, um, so Mark, um, I don't, can't, don't know how to pronounce his surname, Schwitzfin, um from Germany. He actually won Challenge Wanaka a number of years ago, bit of an unknown when he did that. Um, but he he caught Pete on the uh, on the bike, I think, and, and actually started the, the run in first place. And then also Bart Kandel, who's only a 23-year-old Dutch dude, he was uh, making inroads into Pete all the way on the run. And, uh, and the quote Pete put in there was uh, that he was... Um, you know, he he saw the gap and he did the maths and figured out this guy, if we both keep running at the same pace, is going to catch me. And so he said between 30 and 35 k's, he just just hammered it to try to to try to basically make that gap stay the same. So this guy Bart would sort of perhaps get a little bit uh, broken. Think, oh, I'm, I'm broken. I can't catch him now. I've got no chance. And it worked. Um, but as you said, Bevan, there was um, less than a, less than a minute in it between first. So Pete Rabusic first in 10:22. Bart Kandalf, um, Dutchie for a second in 10.23, and then uh, Mark Schwedson was uh, was pretty close there back in 10.28 as well. And he's a good runner, so um, yeah, it would have been, uh, yeah, it was close racing. Yeah, good stuff in the girls' side of things. Dora Heller from Israel took it out in 12.41, Irene Mazin, 13.01, and Karen Mertz was 13.06, and also had a half on as well. Okay, Jombo, nothing's coming up this weekend. Nothing's coming up now until Iron Man New Zealand on the first Saturday of March. It's actually like in four weeks, isn't it? Yeah, five mm. weeks. So, mm. so I, from, I think that's pretty much it um, in terms of races. I don't. There's no. There's no um, non WTC races. You know, we'll have a few seventy point threes and half Ironmans and what have you. But um, that's it for Ironman racing for a little while. Okay, John. Some big news this week, which is kind of unfortunate for the athletes out there. Try Dubai is gone. The the team racing aspect of trying. Dubai is gone. It seems like these um, these teams have a shelf life of maybe three three yeah. five, three to five years. You know, we've seen uh, the Commerce Bank team. Um, I'm not sure if they've disbanded or if they've got a new sponsor now. When back in the uh, the good old days of uh, Team Abu Dhabi, that yep. was probably about the same sort of thing. Maybe three, Timex, three, team four years. They're, they're still rolling. Oh, um, they? That's on a, that's on a lower scale. You know, that doesn't have the the top top pros. Um, that sort of got you know second tier guys and some age groupers. So they're they're still rolling. Um, but it seems with these destination places, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, etc., um, they only have a certain shelf life. And um, yeah, do you know what's interesting? What? Ferris is only thirty five. <coughs> he is young, man. I mean, yeah, like when he won Ironman, so two thousand and. Five. five. It was yeah. two thousand five. So eight years ago. So he was he about twenty seven. He was pretty fairly young when he, and that was a bit of a breakthrough. And he's he's held the same level for for a long time. You know, he's consistent. He's won I'm in Germany, and he's he's been really consistent in Kona. Every you know, the last few times we've been over there, yep. not winning it, but consistent well, we top ten last year, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, great um, race last year. So. I couldn't get over it when I read that. I think the thing about Ferris is he, he's got that kind of manly look about him. So you kind of assume he was older even when he was mm. younger. Mm. And uh, 
And yeah, when I read it, 35, I was like, wow, I thought he was a little bit older than that. So, so try Dubai's gone. I'm sure Ferris will um, be able to sort himself out. But I'm, I think for those those other guys on the team, um, you know, they'll be they'll be grappling to to pull out a, a bunch of new sponsors. So um, it's unfortunate, isn't it? Because as much as you know what, try Dubai. I'm not sure how much exposure that team got for the tourism board because it was the tourism board that was actually paying for the team. But you know, maybe they did a great job. I'm not sure, but. Um, you know, for those athletes, just that that knowing that you've got some money coming in is such a nice security to have as you're a pro athlete. And that's what when we interviewed Dirk Bockel about um, this Leopard Trek team that he's involved with now, and uh, and he said, you know, now I've got that, that basically takes care of everything. I can mm. pick and choose my races that fit in best. I don't necessarily have to chase the money. It's all about just being as good as I can for Kona and everything else is taken care of and uh, and for, for the athletes you know so many of them do they're, they're just it's, they're, they're struggling to get by and this just takes that just even if it's just a little bit of money just to sort of I don't know maybe cover food and rent or something like that um, then it just takes so much pressure off them um, so a bit of a shame but uh Hey, there's an opportunity to go out there and get a bigger sponsor now. Son of the times go. Um, Pete Curry sent through a really good piece about Claire Carney. Now, Claire Carney is uh, Emma Carney's sister, isn't she? Yeah, and she was a former world junior sure. champion yeah. and uh, and also a uh, a good elite, but she didn't. The, the Carney girls did not stick around for for, for a long time. Um, and she said, from memory, she stuck around a lot less amount of time than uh, than Emma Carney did. She was around for quite a while. But um, we've talked about. Emma Carney before and, and she got struck down with a heart attack when she was sort of on a, a little bit of a downward spiral with her, her career and was not quite the, the force that she was and uh, and went pretty close to dying I think um, mm. she was on a team bus and now it's basically almost the same thing happened to her sister she basically um, collapsed I think on uh, at, at a pool and was clinically dead for about 40 minutes and there was a team of um, people there that basically kept her managed to keep it, her alive it's a great story I'll, I'll put a link to it on www.imtalk.me it, it's a great story because she basically was dead and I was saying that the, the medical medical people were saying that if she wasn't so young and incredibly fit they probably wouldn't have even tried and mm. so the fact that she was a bit of an athlete they thought well we'll, we'll give it a shot and uh, and she survived mm. so um <sighs> Both that's both the Carney girls, man. That's something hereditary going on there. I tell you, because um, both of them have had. And it's not like the unfit girls, obviously. So no, and she was at the pool. Thirty-eight. Hmm. Yeah. I thought she was younger than me. Anyway, how old are you? Thirty-six. She won the world junior champs in uh, in Wellington in nineteen ninety-four. Do you remember her winning? I do. Well, she smoked like, oh, it. She's hot. She probably checked me. Was she hot? She looks really different now than what she used to look. She looks exactly like her sister Emma. Yeah, Carney. when I saw the photo, I did kind of think, "Oh, it looks like Emma." And uh, but when she was younger, she certainly didn't. She had sort of curly, fuzzy hair. Obviously, had some some work done. Did you, did you have here. a crush? No, I didn't. Did, have a when crush. you were younger, did you have a crush She's... on any triathletes? Oh, Bevan! Come on, mate! Come on! Because it's a bit of a sausage fest when you're a young man in triathlon, and so especially back in your day, I was too focused. Oh, I was too focused. It's <laughs> too focused. <laughs> Gee, she looks skinny though. Oh, just make a judgment on it. Sorry, I'm just saying she looks skinny. She looks lean, not lean. skinny. Lean, 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 lean fighting machine. Anyway, glad that she's still with us. Very good. Okay, John, whatever piece of news we've got. Ironman sponsorship, K-Swiss is out, and now Newton is in. So Newton are now the official running shoes for Ironman Triathlon. So it's not that big a news, but we're short on news. But I guess that <laughs> what this means is that uh, there's no more K-Swiss party, Bevan. Yeah, well, definitely last year when we were in Kona, there was definitely... 
rumblings that Kays yeah. um, were pulling out of the sport in a big way, mm. and which is unfortunate, really, because those parties were awesome. <laughs> But for the pro athletes, this is this is quite actually quite serious because they really did uh, they were dishing out the cash in quite a big way. And if they are going to pull out of a lot of the athlete um, sponsorships again, that uh, for a number of athletes was was a big part of their income. Um, so it's it is uh, it's it's not a joking matter, Bevan. It's uh, it's a shame because they they were doing a great push. Their their shoes look cool. I can't say I ever ran in them, but they they, they look cool. The feedback we had from people that, that wore them, they they, they liked them. Um, but uh, they're obviously not making enough out of it, or or vice versa. Maybe other areas of their business are not going as well, and so they've got to pull out because tennis is their big thing. So who knows what's going on in the the bigger scheme of things I actually think based on the conversation I had it was a bit about that that Mm. tennis was actually hurting a little bit and so they had to pull our triathlon but that's hearsay Mm. it's it's not it's alleged yeah that's allegedly but (laughs) the thing is is one thing I always wondered about case was was and I can only speak to our market, was that it never really made an impact with the athlete. If you know what I mean? Like the shoes just were around there occasionally, but you didn't really see that many athletes out training there in like full case worse kits. And mm. which is interesting really because the gear they created was really nice. Mm. Like the gears that pros were wearing was pretty cool. nice. Yeah, it was really mm. cool stuff. But maybe in different markets it was more popular, but definitely in New Zealand didn't see many athletes wearing the gear. No. So it's uh it's interesting, John. It is interesting. Discussion that of the week, John. We got so nothing. we, we got forgot nothing. last week. Yeah, we did forget last week. So John's pulled up one, and, and Project 2014 starts tomorrow, does it? Uh, February the 1st. February yeah. the 1st. Is it uh, a couple of days? Thursday. Thursday, yep. And, uh, and let's, let, actually, because we had a pretty, pretty poor news week, mm. you did a race last weekend. The Nelson Trial. Oh, I'm going to bring that up later. Oh, but it's in the news. No, it's it's under something else. It comes up under something oh, else. I've got, a, I've got a segue to bring it up. Okay, in. okay. Segue. Well... John wants to know, he basically wants to see if you guys have much faith in him. John's going to be starting his training on the 1st of Feb. What time do you think John's going to do Ironman New Zealand? Now remember, this is 2014 he's going to be so doing I've Ironman basically got a year to get my ass into shape. Yep. How's that weight loss going? Oh, I can see a couple of abs in there. A little roll on the bottom there. Oh, that's just body <laughs> position. And then, uh, and then That's he, what oh, we all say. So he's going, what time do you think he'll do an Ironman New Zealand? And then also... Where do you think he'll finish in his age group in Kona? So you want you want a placing in that one? Yeah, well, because Kona the time varies so much. Taupo, you should, unless they have a diabolical weather, should be within sort of five minutes or so based on. Do you think you can go up nine? That's a big question. That's what I'm asking people out there. So to give to give you guys a bit of a uh, bit of bit of information to to help you take a stab in the dark here is uh, wrote at eight fifty one and uh, had an average day. I think if I had a good day. Could have been more like sort of eight forty-five towards eight eight forty if I'd had a really really good day. <clears throat> when I did Ironman New Zealand, I think I nine oh three when I did it first time round. Yep, you got tenth, didn't you? Yeah, that was that was not too bad. So that's a couple of little. Yeah, but that was how long ago was that? That was two thousand and five. So that's eight years ago, nearly, John. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So by next year, it's going to be nine years ago. Yes. So. So the question is, can you hold on to your youth? That's right, but I've got more experience and knowledge on my side, so I may not have that youthful exuberance and quite that spring in my step, but I'm going to have... You are doing Ironman, so you can get away with not yes, having that spring. I'm going to have a bit more of a sound mind and sound plan. Okay, John, the mm. next question is... Oh, it's gone out of my head. Oh, no. Oh, it was a really good question, too. I bet it was. And so then, yeah, so then going on to Kona, um, I didn't really want to ask people What age group are you going to be in Kona? 35, 39, and I'll be mid... 
Mid-age oh, so you're, group. Not, you're not young age group. No, no. Actually, um, yeah. When we go to the next thing, I'm I'm, I'm going to do it right now, Bevan. You you, um, you tell us about something that. Uh, I wonder what I'd do if I went and did Kona right now, or if I did New well, Zealand. If you had a year's training, but judging that I'm going to be. Uh, I don't think in a year I could get back to what I was. I think I'd need more than a year. I think I'd need a couple of years to get back to what I was. In a year, I think I could do nine and a half. Okay. About nine, tw- nine, nine and a half, nine twenty. If I had a great day. Okay. What are you thinking? Uh, what are you doing here? I'm, I'm, try- I'm trying to get to the Ironman website to see some results. To see uh, this year was a fast year. We know that. In Kona. In Kona, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm there. So I'm going male, thirty-five to thirty-nine. Okay, so he wants to see what kind of time you have to do to get on the podium. And remember, that is top five. Promising, Bevan. Oh, really? Yeah. So Sam Guide took out the uh, the age group, and, and this is a fast year. Yeah, what did they go on Kona this year? No, this year wasn't. Last year was the really fast. Uh, it was. It was still pretty fast <coughs> this year. So Sam Guide. Well, I don't know if it was because everyone oh, was saying that it was. Let's just a go tough back. Day. Let's just go back page. Pete Jacobson well, it wasn't so fast. Did eight eighteen. It was yeah. fast bike ride, but slow run. So he did eight eighteen. So that's a that's a actually a bit of a slow year. Yeah, I think overall the year was maybe it's not looking so promising. Okay. <laughs> so what, 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 what so Sam Guy took it out in nine oh six. Jamie Caskio from Switzerland was second in nine ten, and Sam Hume was third in nine twelve. Geez, not much of a drop off down to um, seventh place is nine nineteen. So you basically have to go under nineteen, don't you? Mm. Based on this year's conditions. Mm. Yeah, right. <laughs> there's a right. bit of a delay. Yeah. <laughs> so what did the what did the what did the pro girls go? What did the pro girls go here, Bevan? So, fem- so we're just padding here, guys. We haven't got much content this week. Just just bear with us. Um, pro girls. So that's going to be my benchmark. Glenn K went nine fifteen. So you basically got to beat the first pro girl, and that's going to be one of my objectives. Can you do that? I think that's that's a that's a good day. That's okay. a very solid day. So if you can beat the pro girls, mm. and you think you're getting the top five, top five is a gold podium. Mm. So you're not someone who's going to say, oh, I have to technically be top three. If you ta- get on I'll, that stage. I'll take what's in front of me. <laughs> there we but, go. So no, yeah, so, so what, 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 what sort of place do you think I can do in the 35 to 39 age group? Well, basically, people, are you going to blow or not? This is the question. Could you win it? Um, could I go 906 in those conditions? Well, I'll discuss that next week. Oh, there we go. Okay, uh, sponsor. So in the intro today, Bevan said that uh, Extreme Endurance was delicious. delicious. And we've got two delicious things for you um, happening here. So the Execute drink is finally back in inventory, unfortunately only in America. Oh. And they've got a new flavour. What flavour, John? Vanilla. Do you like a bit of vanilla? I love Do you? vanilla. Yeah. Yeah? yeah, nice. I love a bit of vanilla. So uh, they've got cho- chocolate and vanilla. Got to keep an eye. I just saw a cargo pass. I think it's that interview that might be arriving. Bevan. You keep talking. I'll have a look. Um, <clears throat> so Execute is now available, and it's got uh, 1,500 milligrams of lactate and 20 grams of proprietary sports protein that is also new. Mix is easy and tastes great. So kickstart your training with Execute. So that is deal. Um, well, that's not deal number one. That is uh, the first bit of news from Extreme Endurance. I told them to park around the corner, so uh, should be okay over there. And. They'll come around the front door. Um, the other big thing, Bevan's got to listen to this, is we've got a new prom- we've got a new promo code, IM Talk Five. Nice. Now you guys have been bitching and moaning that, uh, <laughs> yeah, that we don't have any code for the Extreme Endurance. We just had one for the Amiga Vital um, for for a while, but now use the code IM Talk Five and you get five dollars off any product. 
the only it does only exclude some of their packaged items such as their um, nod special but everything else you get five bucks it's going to be valid for the next five months using the code imtalk5 here we go team five bucks off good five dollars yeah one two three four Five. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So Extreme Endurance, come to the party. Got a nice New Year special there for you for the next five months. So you guys in, uh, in, uh, who are building up for early season races, stock up now. Okay, here we go. Let's get an interview on. So next up, we've got uh, Dylan McNeese, and he won Challenge One a couple of weeks ago, and he's about to come into our door right now. So we're going to get him on, get him in for an interview, and uh, here's Dylan McNeese. We're on, John. Right, on. So, on like Donkey Kong. A couple, couple of weeks ago, we had. Um, Did you listen to the show where John didn't give you much faith? I, 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 no, I didn't listen to that one. <laughs> Thank God, because you wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> I, we, we were doing our pre race uh, Wanaka discussions, and uh, and I was saying the man to watch is Dylan McNeese. He's going to be full of shit. He, he, he didn't back you as much as I did. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, um, so we've got Dylan McNeese, the winner of uh, Challenge Wanaka. Um, two weekends ago um, on the show. So welcome along, Dylan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And in all fairness to John, like he was kind of saying you're a good athlete, you know, Mecca's going to be the winner, you know, and, and you maybe well, a good no, day. I, I sort of said Dylan's probably going to sma- going to do, do well on the swim. It'll, Obvious. It'll, it'll look like he's smashed it, but he probably won't have because um, he's that much he's better than the others in the swim. I kind of said, I think, if he has a good day, you know, he'll be in somewhere in that range of probably 3 to 3.10 on the run, um, but that's assuming there's no, no blow-ups, which is a high risk of doing in the first Ironman. Thought perhaps potentially a little susceptible on the bike, but as I said, I love people proving me wrong. And, and you so proved it. us wrong. So, so Dylan, my, before we get to the race, what I'm keen to know is um, you, you've been doing, doing the sport for a while, you've been training with Bevan Doherty quite a bit, um, you've had some, some good results, but I don't know, I just had the sense that um, I know when I was in a similar situation to you, I was sort of, I'd done, done the racing for a while and I was thinking, right, I'd actually given up for a year and just flagged, I thought, bugger this, I've, I've got to do an Ironman when I've at least, still at least got something left in the legs rather than um, wanting to do it in 15 years' time and then being really slow. Was your outlook on this race, right, I'm, I'm taking a different direction in my career and I want to see what, how, how well I can do at this long course racing or were you thinking... I've just got to do one of these Ironmans, see if I'm any good at it, and then maybe maybe hang up the boots. Or where were you sort of at with your, your career decision when you decided to sign up and do the race? Um, I was pretty much exactly where you were. Mm. I decided that I didn't know how much longer I'd be able to hang around in the sport for, and I'd been in Wanaka every year that the race was on, basically, and I thought, you know, the, the best iron distance race to do would be Wanaka. So I signed up with no expectations. I always... I always thought to myself that I'd be best at the the longer stuff. Um, I didn't expect that to happen, but yeah, basically, uh, it was you know like like you said, I didn't want to be ten years down the track with a bare belly and you know completely no fitness at all and decide oh I want to do an Ironman. So I figured you know I should get it done um, when I you know had some legs left, like you said. So what were your expectations? You know, um, you've done some some halves um, and you had some some quite good results last season but um what, what were you sort of thinking before the race um i i think my bike got a little bit underrated mm-hmm. um i'd done some good riding and and i'd ridden you know some fast times in the halves um I, it's a little bit different you know when you got a lot of guys around you but i think i'd done a like a couple of 206s and a 208 and, and three attempts so uh that i figured i could ride a good time if I could manage the 180k so 
I went in. Um, I was fit. I knew I was fit. I was feeling pretty good. So I went in with no expectations, but I still thought I could do. I, I wanted to get on the podium, so that was the mm. goal. And to win was, yeah, quite a surprise. So tell us about the day because, you know, going into an Ironman, you know, everyone says, you know, you can save yourself, save yourself. And you're obviously always going to smash this win, but you get out, you're having a pretty good ride. Did you then get off the bike thinking, oh, have I blown it? Like, were you, was there a sense of a little bit of concern of, you know, everyone talks about the second half of the run and, you know, that you're, you're going to blow if you go too crazy on the bike. You, you had a strong ride, you get off the bike and you're still in the lead and were you surprised at that point? Yeah, I keep I keep being surprised. You know, I keep expecting, you know, I, I was surprised when I got out of the water. You know, I knew I'd have a lead, but I didn't think, I, I think I had 340 to Rhodesy and 640 yeah, to Macca. So that surprised me. Then I, uh, you know, did the first section of the ride and I got a time split. I think I got the first time split about the 60K mark and I had seven minutes 20. So I'm like, that's a bigger lead, you know. So I was like, okay. <laughs> so now, we, now you're thinking I need to slow down or what were you thinking? Um, no, I was feeling I was feeling pretty good. The thing that surprised me about Ironman was, or Iron Distance Racing is that you it's not aerobically hard, you know. Mm. So I like that. You know, I hate it in ITU when you're, you're breathing through every ounce of your skin, you know. So um, the I just keep getting surprised, keep building that lead through the through the bike until about the 100 K mark I think and then that is when I started thinking I'm at 8 minutes 30 I should this isn't this shouldn't this isn't right so yeah. I should uh probably back off a bit and I did um and then I think something that saved me a little bit on the run but which was very uncomfortable was my back blew out at about 120k on the bike oh, okay so I was basically standing for the next 50 odd k oh, the only really? the only times I could really get on my aero bars were actually into the headwinds and up the hills. So uh, it was odd. I went from enjoying, looking forward to those tailwinds and the, the easy recovery bits to looking forward to those really hard oh, sections really? so I could actually sit on my aero bars. I was pretty happy to get off the bike <laughs> just because my back was a you know a world of, in a world of hurt. And once you stood upright, it was okay? Yep. I couldn't bend over. I couldn't put my shoes on. So in changing tent, it must have been a scene because I was trying to, bend over to pick my shoe up and, and put them on I basically had to put my shoes on with my whole sort of midsection just cramping up Ooh. And but I, I still knew as soon as I started the run that I'd be able to run I just had to get my shoes on and, and start running <laughs> so before, before we go on uh, to the run um, just if we rewind a bit tell us a bit about your, your swimming pedigree in terms of what you, you d- used to achieve when you when you're in the pool before you came to triathlon because I remember when I started doing triathlon you were still a swim kid and I think I remember because you swam at Aqua Gym, yep. and uh, and I remember you transitioning into triathlon. But I remember you seeing those young kids, you know, so because I was a pretty average swimmer, and you guys were just smoking it all the time. Mm. Um, I guess I was a good age grouper as a swimmer. Uh, I never had the work ethic to really go far in swimming. I guess when I got to about seventeen or or eighteen, when you you know the training really mattered, and I was only doing five or six swims a week, it was never going to cut it. So I. Um, I won, you know, I'd win an, uh, a race at every New Zealand champs um, through the age groups and my, my best open result was second in the 200 IM, but I was more of an IM freestyler, so, you know, that, that was kind of strength-based, so that was, it was good. Um, what, are you, what are you knocking out of 400 out or a 1500, do you remember? Um, when I was 16, I was a 405, 400 and 16, 20, 1500, mm. long, long course metres. Mm. <laughs> Can I, can you give a bit of insight to the swim kids' life? You know, because 
A lot of us try it. It's, kind of, it's a bit different if you don't do five or six sessions a week versus no, ten. No, but, but, but I imagine <laughs> early on you probably did a lot of yards. And, and, and like, it's interesting, you know, for, for me who didn't really become an athlete till I was in my 20s, and that's a, quite traditional for a lot of, you know, people listen to this show. Can you tell us what it's like to kind of be that kind of pretty high-level kid in swimming, which is kind of a demanding sport for kids? Yeah, it, you really... I think the kids that do it and do it properly are pretty special. It's such a... You know, I just hated the mornings. It was you had to be at the pool at, at five or ten past five, and um, and even at sixteen, they're expecting you to train ten times a week, and that you know it's five mornings, five nights, whatever. And it's a it's a um, it's a pretty tough life. And then it, it, you know, like at training camps, you're training. We were doing three hour swims in the morning, two and a half at night, with a bit of dry land in between, and. Um, the, one of the things that made me realise is that long distance triathlon could be me was that I handled the swimming camps really, really well. So I would swim best in the last hour of a three-hour swim kind of thing. Yep. So, but in terms of you know those guys, those kids that are out there training, even seven, eight, nine, ten times a week are pretty incredible. Mm. Do you think they lack does it hurt your social skills? Yep, definitely. That's what I I think I missed the most when I was swimming. I that's why. I, hated it I say hated it but you know it's more of a dislike yeah just uh, you don't get the social life yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so back back to the race um, I'm just interested to know about the swim I mean uh, it's it was pretty choppy from what we've heard did you actually you know yes you had a nice big lead but as I said earlier I, 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 I think you were probably going at a similar effort to the guys behind you so how hard was the swim for you um, it, it was probably the best I felt on a swim in a long time and I felt better and better as the swim went on mm-hmm. uh i i got out of the water and i didn't really feel like i'd swum yeah. i had i felt really good and so that was why, a good why, why did you feel so good i just think my preparation was was well timed yeah. um i've always known i, I liked the long build-ups i hate i hated having to race every couple of weeks it just didn't work for me so i know if i have a long build-up i know i can get everything on target and and that's how i felt i was also you know it was I, I really enjoyed the rough swim. It was a good thing for me. Mm. It's a beautiful swim too, isn't it? Yep. It is. Yeah, not everybody said that about this year. <laughs> um, um, so I'm also interested to know about about the bike um, and and how you, you you said you're feeling good, but but how are you pacing yourself and also how are you fueling yourself? Given this is you know for first timers, I know you're at a, at a totally different level to a lot of first timers, but it's still your first iron distance race. So pacing and um, and also nutrition. Uh, I. I just set off. I didn't have. I don't have power. I don't have heart. Where I didn't even have a watch. I just. Uh, I just rode to what I. I knew I could hold, or what I thought I could hold, and I. Th- I think that pacing was. Was good. Um, if my back hadn't blown out, I don't think I would have lost any time really to Jamie. Maybe you know a minute or two, uh, but at the same time, that was probably a good thing. I mean, I had to ease off a little bit and save it for the run. Uh, nutrition. Uh, some people might be surprised that. I didn't eat or drink any electrolytes until uh, 40k mark on the bike, so just water. I know that in training I never drink, you know, electrolytes until say the 90 minute mark on the ride. So I figured, you know, I've got to get my body working and using the fats as well as it can before I start feeding it the sugars, because once you start putting them in, it's kind of that's all it relies on. So you know, nutrition. I think that could have been a little bit of a risk, but I think I learned something pretty important there for me. And so, what about for the rest of the ride? How did you fuel yourself through the ride? I had, I had nine, no, twenty, 
gels in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I started with them, I tried to keep, you know, putting some in maybe every 20 or 30 minutes. I had a few bars to, to eat, some high five bars, but I got through one and a half out of three and I also had a Moro on the bike and I <laughs> good old Moro. I didn't even look at was, that was it melted <laughs> I actually ate it the other day so no <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so you see so you get off the bike and uh and you know look because Warnock is not a fast run course and you know you went sub three so tell us about your run um I was quite surprised when I got off I felt better than I thought I would but that you know the start of that run is not really fast and, no. and you really feel it because it's just that uphill but um, I need to go to the toilet instantly, so I was like, "All right, I have to go." You know, and I, I always planned on one, one toilet stop. So I figured, you know, the sooner the better. So uh, got up the hill, got into the toilet, got out of the toilet. Luckily, and uh, just felt great. Really? Yep. Um, ran up to Jamie again, and I was, you know, I knew I'd be an idiot if I ran past him, and I knew that his pacing would be good. I knew he'd run around you know, low three hours, so I'd stick with him and if I felt good, I'd, I'd have a crack. Um, but it kind of just came to me that if I really wanted to win and I knew Macca was closing down super fast, that at about the 45-minute mark, I think I just said I just have to go and, and, and hope that I can hold on. Hold on. Yep. So how, how big a part was Macca playing on your mind and, and how quickly was he closing in? Because we know, you know, let's be realistic, if he was in awesome shape in that yeah. race, he could probably run a... 235 if he was in like 235 no uh, no, 240s if if he was in Kona Kona condition you know world championship condition even if he was in average condition you'd think you know 245-ish as you said um, 250 on average day so was that playing on your mind a bit? Yeah it definitely was Um, you know racing Jamie in the past I kind of knew what he could run I'd seen what his times were and I'd done in training I'd run I'd done a one lap off the off a four, hard four and a half hour ride in training a couple of weeks before and I'd ran one twenty six ish and I figured, you know, I can run this, but it all depends on that second lap. So um I think I ran about one twenty seven for that first lap with my toilet stop. So I it was, you know, I got through that first lap, I did what I knew I could do. Mm. The, the 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 unknown was the just that second lap. Yeah. And uh Macca when I came around that turnaround and I saw Macca at about 3.30, you know, my heart just sunk. I was like, oh, here he comes. Mm. But I, I did a bit of quick mass in my head and I, I knew that I'd run a 1.27-ish and I was like, well, I think he's put three and a half minutes into me. That means he's run sub 1.24. And, you know, I've seen Macca's results. He's an awesomely strong runner, but I didn't think he was in 2.48 shape mm. and I didn't think he was... Um, yeah, I just didn't think he could hold on. So I actually kind of, it gave me a little bit of confidence. I was trying to find the, you know, yeah. that, that confidence. Anything, I was trying to find yeah. reasons to believe that I could keep going. Yeah. And so, you know, like, you know, you obviously did a pretty good second lap to <clears throat> you know, still get your sub three in. As it was going along, you know, were you still feeling good or when did the battles start to begin? Um, my quads started to go, well, they started to get really sore. Every, every contact was quite sore from 75 minutes. So by the time I hit an hour forty-five, it was uh, it was quite painful. Um, but like I said, aerobically I was never strained, so it was just about continually just to keep that tempo going and, and hoping that the legs had the strength. Uh, 
And because it's quite up and down, isn't it? The courses, you it's, know. It was a really hard course, and you had a lot of downhills, um, which really just loaded up the quads, I found. And it was about the 25K mark where you would hit the the uh, the switch back to the last 4Ks when you're running out. So I had I think I had 17K to go, and I was in a really bad patch. And then I got a, I got some news that Macca was walking and Jamie was walking. Oh, nice. And so... I actually instantly thought, sweet, I can walk. But I was like, <laughs> no, no, if, if I'm going to win, I have to keep going and win it now. So uh, that was a pretty good feeling to hear that those guys were struggling too. So at that point, did you kind of know you had it? No. no. I was, I was, you know, I had no idea. I, I knew there was an hour 15 of running to go and an hour 45, well, I hoped. And uh, I was pretty, there was a lot of fatigue there. Um, so I, I really didn't know until probably 9k to go where I had four minute 30 lead and I figured that's 30 seconds a k if I'm losing 30 seconds a k I'm probably in a ditch somewhere so hopefully yep. you know I could hold on from 9k um I was interested to read your uh, your pre-race strategy was to go 5k hard and 5k easy tell, tell us a bit about that and, and um if you had any paces sort of in mind in terms of when you mean 5k hard, how hard would that have been? And when you mean 5k easy, how, how much of a differential were you thinking? And it sounds like that plan went out the window though. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was actually five minutes oh. easy, 25 minutes um, hard. Well, well faster. On, yeah. 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 Um, in my training run, I, I did that plan mm. and I felt that uh, you recovered really well in the five minutes. I'd run about, I'd run four minute Ks in the 25 minutes. And, you know, I thought I, I figured if I ran five minute Ks, it's about a 4.15 average mm. for the slow five minutes. But I found that I actually just ran four minute Ks for 25 and, you know, only like 4.30s for yeah. the, the five. And, and it felt a lot easier, loosened up and you relaxed. But um, the race was more like 45 minutes easy and then two hours 15 hard. Cool. Um, when we've we've talked to Richard Usher in the past um, and he's been doing coast to coast obviously a different race he says it's very lonely because he's out there in the front all day and and I know from a lot of other Ironman athletes that do Ironmans around the world they'll be saying well they they probably don't understand how lonely it can be out there when you're by yourself because most other people have somebody at least around them some of the race but you are more or less in front the whole way Um, did you find it quite hard and quite lonely in that aspect or did you just sort of got on with it and didn't really think about it too much? Yeah, I, I didn't really think about it too much. I mean, it's, you know, it's, that course is just, you got, you always got something ahead mm. of you, you're always thinking about it in the next section. Um, the bike, I guess, is, is the loneliest moment, uh, loneliest bits because you're not, you're not pushing like you are yeah. in the run as such. Um, and it, at the same time, though, I do most of my training by myself. I ride Takarawa and back's my long ride, so that's a seven-hour ride. So a five-hour ride wasn't wasn't too bad. Um, and on the run, so much support everywhere. You got volunteers, and it's a it's a run you can't you know you need to be concentrating like on the, the you know basically the single trail bits. You have to be thinking the whole time, so you mm-hmm. you don't even really think about um, the loneliness of it. Plus, I had amazing support out there with you know athletes on the bikes and the stuff. The ITU posse out there, Kate McElroy and Ryan Sissons and all those crowd. Yep, it was uh it was amazing. And what summed it up for me was sort of the last few K were running over uh is it Lake, I think it's Lakeside Drive along the lake there. Yeah. And uh the helicopter I could hear the cameraman on the motorbike 
talking to the helicopter pilot because the helicopter pilot was trying to find me to film me. In mm. the uh, mo- the guy on the motorbike just said, "Just look for the peloton," because <laughs> I had literally had a peloton just following me. So it was cool. it was pretty awesome. So so you know you, you turn up to your first you know iron distance race challenge race and uh, you get into the end you kind of must know at a certain point this is my race. What's that like? Um, honestly, I didn't feel any relief until I crossed that finish line. Really, I the last five k probably actually the last seven k I started to feel little cramps come on. Um, and funny enough, I think it was when I reverted to coke. You know, once you put that real sugar in, you're just <laughs> constantly demanding it. So I don't think I make that mistake again. But uh, the last yeah, probably seven five to seven k I started to cramp up. I had a couple of moments on the run, which I don't think were on the big screen, which were good. I had to stop twice. Uh, my hamstrings went, and the actual technical run official almost rode up my backside. She was only a couple of metres behind me. <laughs> and uh, I had to start walking the aid stations. Uh, I did it more out of knowing that I could, but also that I maybe I knew if I didn't, I wouldn't make the finish line. And then that last home straight, I actually just wanted to walk. But oh, really? some, some guy yelled out to me, come on, mate, keep 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 running yeah. and I was like oh you've got no idea but yeah it was uh it was just a relief to finish and it's only really been it t- took me a few days to really really realize. so even as you cross the line it wasn't like an emotional overwhelming no feeling. really well no. cool I guess I've been out front all day I guess in that regard it was it was a bit of the same you know like I'd been I was just used to being at the front and crossed the line first and honestly it was just relief to just to finish yeah, he's, he's come down from the dizzying heights of finishing second in the uh, Christchurch Casino. <laughs> I know. Well, that, that was a great race as well. Yeah. That's where it all started, you know. Started yeah. the season strong. Yep. It was. <laughs> um, so, at the start of the interview, we sort of thought, you know, that, oh, yeah, you're thinking before the race, right? I just want to get this, this sort of monkey off my back and get an iron distance race. You now um, pocketed fourteen and a half grand, which is uh, nice. I, I'm imagining a bit Big more party tonight. <laughs> a bit more prize money than you've you've achieved in the rest of your career. Um, but in, in, uh, whilst that's a lot of money for a one-off race, it's not going to um, put you into retirement for the for the rest of your life. So how imagine has, if it did. Imagine if you won like ten million. million. <laughs> <laughs> how has this changed um, your plans and and what you're thinking now in terms of the a triathlon career moving forward and also um, potential other openings for the rest of the season because the challenge guys tend to look after athletes pretty well once I've uh, sort of supported them yeah um, it was it was going to be my last big race I'd, I'd made that decision and I was reasonably happy with it um, but I, I did say to friends and family that if I won I'd, I'd reconsider. definitely reconsider I guess you know the the only difference with say my win compared to Jamie White's win a few years ago was that I had I had to beat Macca, which was a big, a big stepping stone, I guess, um, and it was my debut. And and you know, I thought I was old, kind of in the sport. How old are you now? Twenty seven. Yeah. But you know, like everyone was saying, you know, twenty seven is quite young for the iron distance stuff. So, um, I d- I didn't, you know, for me, triathlon was I found it quite a it's quite a selfish sport. You know, it's all about you, and I didn't really know what. I was going to get out of it even if I did keep going but it was amazing to hear sort of uh, how many people you actually inspire you know like my sister my youngest sister she wasn't really athletic or anything but I got home after a few days down in Wanaka after the race and she was walking every day and Mm -hmm. and trying to be healthy so for me that was quite 
um, a special thing and and that's another reason why I think I'll keep going and 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 you know like challenge is an awesome awesome um, series I've got 18 races now I think I'm going to try and like you said I'm going to try and mm-hmm. maybe get a deal with them and, and stick to racing the, the challenge series for for a few years so, so how do you actually approach your season now you know like if you're looking at going into this race saying this is my song 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 you know you hadn't really had a season planned in front of you so you know now you sit down do you kind of nut it out or what do you do yeah I I'd always planned on finishing out the summer so I was going to race Takapuna and um and it's going to be hard going back <laughs> to short stuff yeah so it was a nine hour race to a, a 50 minute race or whatever <laughs> so that'll be interesting uh and in Wellington as well I was going to race Wellington just just because I wanted to keep racing through the summer and then and then uh, after that it would be it so I've still got a little bit of a plan in front of me and, and it should be easy enough to piece piece the rest together for the rest of the season. And, you know, look, um, Roth is definitely an option, but at the same time, you're just one of many there. Mm. Um, it'll be nice to learn. You know, it's it was e- in a way, it's easy to win it in Wanaka. It's my home, got family, friends there. I know the course, I love the course. You're in your comfort zone. So I I, th- I think if I want to do well on this, I have to learn to win in those places that are really outside my comfort zone. What were you thinking of doing? Because do you work as well? No, I finished uni in November. So this is really the first race I've done without that weight on my shoulders. And mm. that could have been a big factor. And what did you study? Marketing. So you were looking at getting some kind of marketing slash business job. You can be our new marketing yeah, guy. Shutting us up, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it was. Uh, there was no real plans with the degree. I just really wanted to get Actually, something. Yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. So that was that was it. Um, the one, just a couple of other things, not related to Wanaka, but um, I've done you know, a lot with Bevan Doherty in his in his early years, um, up to you know before he became superstar. Um, you've done a lot with him over the the last few years. He's like the younger version of you, John. <laughs> <laughs> he's telling me about the race. When I went and did my first Ironman, and uh, and I was leading early on the bike, and then I had these horrendous back. John problems. didn't win his first Ironman. <laughs> horrendous back problems, and I and and it turned to custard from there on. But it sounded pretty similar until about halfway on the bike. Um, but you've done a lot with Bevan over the last few years, and I've sort of said I'm not sure how badly he wants this. John Iron lacks, Ironman. John thinks he lacks desire. I think he'll do champion. very well. But do you, do you think he he really wants this Ironman badly, or is it just it's the next sort of stage in his career and, and how well do you think he can do? Um, it's, it's a good question. I I get the feeling he actually really enjoys it. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's you know, he's got such a illustrious career behind him in a way. It's 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 really hard to know what his motivation is and, and, and how much he really wants it. But, I mean, it's Bevan. I mean, look at his race in Auckland, you know. I think he felt like shit the entire race yet he still pushed through and still raced hard I think he just loves racing hard and uh, and I think yeah Ironman is a hard race and I, I think he'll enjoy it and um, his motivations I'm not too sure of but I, I think he'll still do pretty well who are you picking for New Zealand how am I picking yeah oh Put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, he does this to me every week. And you go, go, well, I know Terenzo, I know Bevan, I know Brownie, and I'm going to say one of them now, and the other guys are going to think I'm yep. a dork. Yep, exactly. So there you go. I, and, and, then, and then I say, I love them all. Be- Bevan's going to take it. Be- yeah, Bevan's going to wait. He's going to be out, probably out in front of, of Brownie in the swim, and if he's not, he'll be with him and probably swimming easier. Uh, I think Bevan can ride 
with Brownie definitely and I mean it's just like you said John it, it could come down to the you know how well he handles a 180k bike mm. because it's it is a whole new sort of world out there in terms of the strain it puts on your body for that 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 five hours or whatever um and then the run I I think Bevan's got enough under the belt to mm. get through the run and I think he will find I run you know training with him I used to hate it because we didn't didn't run any slower than four minutes really so that's mm. his training pace so mm. I, I think he can put out a good marathon it just depends how well probably depends on how well he handles that bike mm. Mm. Oh, well, um, in terms of plugs, you got uh, you got your Brooks top on there. I know you're on, you're, you're riding on a Giants. Tell us a bit about a few of your sponsors and anybody you want to give a bit of a plug. Yeah, well, two times you have been awesome. I've been with them a um, long time since the beginning. You actually yeah. hooked me up with them in 2006, I think. Yeah. So I, it's it scares me to think uh, how long yeah. that's been. Um, Giant came on board a year ago, and I'm hoping to keep keep riding them. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely dialed into their bikes and, and they know what they're doing yeah, yeah. it's an awesome bike Brooks have you know I've never really offered much in terms of being a runner but Brooks have just continued to support me for probably the last four or five years so yeah. they've been incredible and, and High Five have come on board I, I use their stuff in the race and um, you know it, that nutrition thing is really important because when it gets gets down to when your stomach doesn't want anything you really need the stuff that you can actually take in so mm. those uh i had their iso gels on the run and they were just mm, just like yeah, orange juice yeah so uh in terms of other sponsors i'm you know if i want to keep going i'm trying to i'm trying to get a few more on board and rich businessmen yeah, yeah. that was always my strategy rich businessmen who want to live vicariously through you <laughs> basically and because they don't mind giving you cash and but, you know the cash to them is nothing okay, fine. I'll keep my eye on them then yeah yeah, yeah. keep an eye out and have you got a website or anything like that yeah dylanmcneese.com we'll, we'll have a link to that up on, on the show today so bloody builders have just started next door uh, the builders are working they're earning yeah. their money so um, well done I love Thank it when you. people prove me wrong um, and uh, but you've got to remember it did all start at the House of Travel Triathlon yeah, Festival it did it did <laughs> I learned that I wasn't a sprinter <laughs> um, and we look forward to seeing how you go over the rest of the season thanks for coming in thanks, yeah, thanks guys mate. appreciate awesome. it Choice. wicked you might hear a bit of noise in the background Joe's just making a sandwich for lunch that's okay you know, no you're allowed to make it babe I'm just saying I'm just letting him know no, no, don't stop. Make your sandwich. Don't go hungry. Don't go hungry. Yeah, we need you on your hunger. John, what would you think of Dylan? Uh, outstanding. Yep. <coughs> I, I mean, I did pick it a few weeks ago, Bevan. You did pick it. That's right. And, yeah. you know, you, when you have faith in someone, John, that always <laughs> comes through. It always comes through. You yeah. have a history of picking winners, don't you? <laughs> Bevan, was Post race. Bevan was looking at me and I was saying, oh, he's got no chance. He's going, what, what are you talking about? So, um, no, I love when people prove me wrong. And uh, and he did smoke. It's 8.51 on debut on that course is, uh, is a solid day at the office with a porta potty stop and uh, get some good competition. Um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes from, from now. Well, it's just interesting to watch a guy like him who is, you know, has been in the shorter distance for a long time, mm-hmm. hasn't quite cracked through at the shorter distance, but, you know, turns up to this race. And, you know, like you can look at different levels of Ironman racing and this may not be the toughest Ironman out there, but to pull off a win, you know, and you've got Macker in the race, mm-hmm. you know, it's a pretty good effort and it's encouraging to see that it keeps him in the sport. Yes, you know? and... Uh is this going on before the interview or after the interview? This is post. Post, okay, yeah. Outstanding interview then. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Um, John was looking at his computer before 
And he was just, he was like, I'm waiting. I was like waiting for him to say push record. And he was like, the silly smirk on his face. <laughs> like, seriously. And he had a little, just was, his face in a mood, but he had this funny smirk. What were you looking at? So, uh, sponsor. So, okay, sponsor. <laughs> Athlinks. So, um, Athlinks just makes John happy. Oh, no, it does because, uh, so yeah, I had my, I had my big. So, uh, we're going to talk about your racing now, right? Yeah, I had my big return yeah. to racing this weekend, the Nelson International Triathlon. So, Project 2040's first race. Uh, it wasn't really, it was sort of the precursor to, to, to that getting underway. A um, bit of a benchmark to see where I was at and uh it was a field of i don't know maybe 50 international athletes um if, oh really lucky yep we had um, um athletes, brownies athletes came in from singapore Gomez. um yep Germ- Did, Germany. actually what kind of level was it was it as good as the ashburn i mean the um Queens, queenstown half or queenstown race no <laughs> oh really no. so would you get overall <laughs> So I um I, I won yeah, the you asked no. if I won I won the thirty thirty nine age group yeah well, uh, I probably won my age group as well but age groups don't matter oh, it does that's all racing all that I finished second um, oh that's pretty good well no the, I knew that going up there um I would there's only two guys in Nelson that could beat me even if I was probably I said I'd give there. you something if you won two tonight mm, and so I did I won my age group no 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 no, no. so Let's go um, clarify this one fella turned up Harrison Dean who I used to who used to coach um <laughs> and he's an elite and there's no way. I was even going to beat him. But, oh, uh, really? They break your heart? No, because it was just like, well, he's pro, he's full-time. Oh, he's and, still pretty sharp. Yeah, he's, yeah. And, uh, and so I was like, well. But th- it was interesting, the guy that I um, ended up racing with for, for most of the race was uh, is the guy that I expected to be. Um, and they had me under a little bit of pressure. Who was that? Uh, Jonathan Linard. And he's in the 40-49 age group. Oh, this is a bit older. So last time I did this race, uh, this is, this is, so this is leading into Athlinks. And... Um, what I love about athletics is I couldn't remember what year I did this bloody race. I've done it a, f- a few times. I remember you did it with Gordo years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, it was on a, on, a, on a different course. But I was thinking, oh, I can go through it. You know, if you go to the Nelson Tri Club website, I have to go through all the different results and try to remember which year I did it. Just go to athletics, boom. Boom, John. It's all there. Just go one click and I go, right, well, I did this race in 2008 and I, I won it and it was based against uh, the same guy I got second there that got um, one place behind me this time and I uh, go back and just get my comparisons and it was just easy as that. And so it, in comparison to other races there, John? Well, the only thing I can really compare on a like-for-like basis is the run because the run was exactly the same as, as a few years ago and it's not particularly pretty reading. Oh, really? It, oh. I was a full minute slower than I was four for years ago. Ks? For five Ks? For five Ks. That was... F- Four years ago, I didn't feel flash on the run. So four years ago, you were pretty sharp, but two thousand eight, I was that was was, uh, that was that was out coming out of rote. So I don't think I was in amazing shape, but I was still coming off an, an Ironman build up. And uh, yeah, so the swim uh, started off the swim. The guy Harrison sneaky started really near the beach, and it was sort of uh, wait, wait a second, you should know the, those tricks. I was looking around for him. I was looking around for him. Couldn't see me. I was where is he? And then, and then all of a sudden, the gun, goes the, off. the gun just goes off, and I was like. He was like 30 metres off the ride all by himself. Oh, damn it. I wouldn't have been able to keep up with him anyway. But then so I was swimming with a couple of other guys and um, I'm like, I'm not going to lead this swim. I'm just gonna, there's somebody swimming next to me. I'm just going to get on his feet. And then this guy just took me on a wild goose chase and I, but I was committed to his feet. I was like, I know I should be swimming a different line, but I'm committed to his feet. And I saw the other guys swimming up on us that would already drop. And I was like, oh man. So four of us came out of the swim and uh, we dropped one guy straight away. And then these guys, um, this guy Jonathan, he seems to excel on this uh, this Nelson course, and he had me in trouble on the bike. 
him oh, and really? this junior fella who was sucking his wheel like he couldn't believe. <laughs> was it non-drafting? It was, it was non-drafting. I was sitting third wheel back up, man, that guy's sitting on his wheel. <laughs> and they, he, I, was, I was on the rivet on the bike. Um, but you I, held on? But I held on, and then uh, the pace, I, I thought they can't keep this up. And uh, and about 12k, and he just sat up, I think. Yeah. Oh, I just rode straight past him and just, uh, and we dropped the, the junior fella. But uh, I biked very hard. I did have the fastest bike split of the day. Oh, there you go. And because uh, biking is not your strong point, no. But I was, in, I was, uh, I was right on the rivet, and uh, and the runner didn't. I, I ran steady, but I uh, and I ran probably the same effort that I ran last time. But I just felt pretty sluggish and pretty flat, and didn't have great form. So I was a minute slower. So um, how much? Not, how much did you beat the third place getter? Well, you see, that's the other comparison I could say. You know, last time I beat him by about, I think I beat him by about a minute twenty. Put it, put it, put a minute twenty to a minute thirty, and over a five, over five k. This time I only put in uh, thirty seconds over five k. Oh. So he wasn't. I knew I had it, but he wasn't. That, he wasn't that far back. So um, plenty of opportunities. Um, but as I said, with athletics, that's what I love about it is. I don't have to go through trolling through um, results to find it. You know, if, if, if this was Ironman New Zealand or, or a different Ironman race for you guys overseas, if you've done a race a few years ago and you can't remember what year, you've got to go back all through the results. If it's on Athlinks, boom, straight back there, easy, job done. So, what did uh, you get for second place? Well, they just do spot prizes there. It's, uh. that, it's just a small race, but I got a spot prize, so I got a bar of chocolate. Oh, that's pretty good. What kind of chocolate? It was. Uh, what is it? You got to choose. It was just a Cadbury white chocolate. It was. Do you like had, white, dear? Well, I do. But then we had Whitakers at home at the same time as well. Like my Whitakers. Cadbury's doesn't cut the mustard. The problem with Cadbury's you don't taste, get much nowadays. And you can taste that that um, oil that they use in there. That palm oil. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Mm, it's not nice. So Whitakers team, if you're a Kiwi. Orders. Mm. So I know what I took away from the race was firstly it's all up on athletics and we love athletics, um, but also uh, wasn't very sore afterwards. Even though I had forgotten my extreme endurance, so that really indicated to me that uh, I wasn't able to aerobically take myself myself to a pretty hard place. You know, it was all um, I wasn't really able to punish myself and, and get really sore from it. So good to get done. Raced hard. Wasn't fast, but um, now I know where I'm at. Well, you're at the beginning, John. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. you know, this time next year. If not, you pull off that kind of performance, mm, you'll be a bit worried. Not disheartened about it uh, at all. Just know that I've got a lot of work to do. And I don't, didn't catch the name, but somebody came up to me and said she listens to the show, and this was walking into the swim, and I uh, forgot to catch your name, but uh, hello to you. A girl from the gym mm. who does my classes came up to me yesterday, on Sunday actually, and she came up to me and she goes, I listen to I Am Talk. And, and like, you don't, not many members listen to, oh, there's a couple members, Suzanne, she, mm. she's listening, you know, Suzanne Wells, she listens. Mm. And there are, there are a few listeners. Suzanne, I know Suzanne for ages ago. Yeah, I've still got a bike box in my garage if yeah. you don't need a bike box to borrow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Suzanne, she, and she listens. So we've got a few members, but they can kind of come from a triathlon. And this young girl um, came up to me after class. She goes, I'm listening to I Am Talk. And I said, oh, great. And she said, I'm doing I'm in New Zealand. And it's her first one, and she's just jumping in the deep end. And so, go, you good thing. Nice. I didn't get her name. But you know who you well, are. My photo, the guy that helped me with our photos, he's got a daughter doing Iron Man this year. Oh, Maybe great. it's something, something Bramwell. Maybe yeah. it is. Oh, yes. Maybe it is. John, we're going to interview on. Justin Deere from Endurance Corner. Mm-hmm. He's a uh, great athlete mm-hmm. and, uh, and he's also a pretty good thinker and he's going to be talking about the idea of when should we blow up and when we shouldn't More be strategies up. around it and, and what you can take away mm-hmm. from it. So do, let's put that on there, eh? Mm. Here we go. Justin Deere. Righty-ho. Um, we've got our... Endurance Corner Specialist Justin Deere Specialist yeah. eh? he's, like, he's like a doctor Not a doctor He's a specialist Yeah Back on the show This uh, this week So welcome back On the show Justin Thank you Thanks for having me um, Bevan You know In training We sometimes go out there And we sometimes Blow up 
I actually did quite a few times. Did. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's because I was tight. Yeah. I don't want to spend money on food. And, then, you know, you get to the end of the ride and you end up spending $40 because you're so hungry. <laughs> and, um, and, and blowing up, some, some people look at it in, in different ways. But recently, um, JD wrote an article on endurancecorner.com about uh, showing up and blowing up. And, and when you do blow up, um, you know, what you can sort of take, take out of that. So, Justin, do you want to just... Give us a bit of a bit of a summary on um, maybe firstly what 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 brought on this idea about this article. Yeah, so I was, uh, you know, like a lot of people, I swim masters, and I was just uh, I kind of came up with this expression in my head, or maybe someone has said it, I don't know, but I just was looking around the pool and I thought, you know, so many people every day they just show up and blow up, and. Um, that kind of comes from a lot of master swimmers swimming about one lane probably too fast than they need to be. Um, and so my idea sort of came about as, you know, showing up and blowing up can have benefits at times, but when done sort of uh, on a repetitive basis, it loses its value and becomes detrimental. And so I sort of said, okay, well, when is it a good time to maybe try to blow up? And, you know, if you do, what can you get from that? How can you use it constructively and how can you make it part of your training program? So, I mean, what, where do you sort of see the benefits of, of, uh, of blowing up? As you said, you know, you don't want to make it a, a, a sort of a, a regular thing. Um, but what do you sort of see that you can, you can you know, take out of blowing to pieces in training rather than, rather, uh, than, rather than looking at it and thinking, oh, I'm crap, you know, I'm, I'm blown up, I'm, I'm history. Um, how, how do you sort of outline benefits? Well, if, if you, you know, if you're familiar with Dr. Noakes, Timothy Noakes, Lore of Running, Challenging Beliefs, um, you know, he talks a lot about the central governor theory, which he, which basically is the body um, or the, the mind will hold the body back to protect itself. So you have to sort of challenge what the mind is willing to uh, allow to happen. Mm. Uh, so if you buy into that <clears throat> sort of idea, you need to take moments where you think, you know, this is, I can't keep going at this pace. I can't keep doing this effort um, uh, for very much longer and and sort of challenging that to maybe, well, okay, maybe I'll try to make it one more minute. Okay, now I've made it that minute. Maybe I'll go one more minute. Um, <clears throat> you know, Noakes gives a, if you, if you Google Noakes on YouTube or whatever, you can see some of his, his talks. And, and he gave an example of, you know, every week with his, his track coach, they would run something like 10 by 500. <clears throat> and, you know, so he, he sort of had in his mind exactly what he could do for that workout each week, programmed, ready to go. And so he goes into the normal workout, coach has him do it. He goes through all the, the 10 500s, he's completely spent. And then instead of the coach telling him to go cool down, he says, okay, line up, do another one. He's like, well, all right, well, maybe I can do one more. Does one more. And he's like, okay, now I'm done. And coach says, line up, do it again. And so you, there's these moments where you, you can take a challenge and use it constructively to sort of reset what you believe is possible so that the next time you go in there, it might not be a big deal to do 15 of those 500s or to run them quicker or whatever because you've already surpassed that sort of comfort zone that you've created for yourself. I think the other area where I see a lot of um, Ironman athletes um, p perhaps missing a beat and a little bit 
also around the central governor sort of theory and um, and pushing themselves, especially when they do not come from a, an athletic background, is around racing. You know, if they're training up for an Ironman, they may just do an Ironman and, and a half Ironman as, as a build-up and they might both be done a bit conservatively. But I think... Um, one area athletes shy away from is doing short course racing because they think they're slow and they, they, their strength is in the long course stuff. But actually going out there and suffering for you know sixty to uh, or, you know from one to two hours um, can also be a, a nice way of shifting that mindset and actually risking blowing up a little bit when it's a you know C quality race. Right. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, people ask me. You know what? Do you, what are your favorite distance in in triathlon? And I say sprint races and Ironmans, because <laughs> it's it's hard for me. It's hard for me with to to sort of an Olympic distance race is even pretty long. Like you have to be fit and trained to go really hard for you know two hours or less or or in and around that time frame. So I like the sprints because I'll jump in there and I won't hold back. Um, you know, it's just short enough, particularly on the bike, you know, where it's, it's under 30 minutes instead of up to an hour. Uh, and I'll go out on the run. Like, I mean, you should really almost feel as though I could probably only want run one mile at this pace. And then you just kind of keep going. Um, and I think that that's a great plan. It's, it's much easier to, to go flat out, um, starting with a very, very, very short duration, like five minutes, mm. uh, a 400 meter, time trial in the pool, a 1500 meter time trial at the track, you know, a five minute power test on the bike, you know, these, these types of, and then adding duration from there, um, you know, and sort of resetting what it is to go hard, you know, when you're always going out and, and doing these long runs and things like that, you forget what fast running is like for maybe 800 or 1500 meters. So to sort of have that, uh, uh, perspective is definitely beneficial. It's, it's really interesting. I, um, I've got some running businesses and, and I deal a lot more probably with the beginner athlete. And uh, we, we talk about the concept of a risk run where they actually try to go faster than their normal paces and stuff like that. And it really is about teaching them a, that they have a higher ability within themselves and B, overcoming, you know, that learning that new mind space. I suppose, is this something you find more with the beginner athlete or do you find even more experienced athletes need to look to do some of these kind of sessions that are designed to kind of push your limits to teach you a new level of self yeah i don't think that there's ever, i don't think anybody can ever be completely content with um you know knowing where their boundaries are you know you always to be to be, continue to progress as an athlete you need to have those moments of challenge and sort of being a being asking yourself and questioning before you're doing something whether you can continue to do it you know, I think that that and not know and knowing that I think the experience helps and that, you know, it's not the end of the world if it doesn't happen. You know, you after I wrote this article, there was a thread that started inside the Endurance Corner Forum by Alan, who sort of said, you know, he likes to put together some sessions that challenge his athletes in each block. And he knows that they may not be able to complete it. And he plans it that way. But what we talked about was can people psychologically handle that? Will you take away a failed session as, you know, being sort of a psychological blow or will you look at it as, Hey, you know, I tried something, I went for it, I made it halfway and then I just couldn't go anymore. Maybe next time I'll make it a bit further. Hmm. So there's definitely, 
I think that the experience of knowing that just because you haven't done something the first time you can do it again might help push the limits for, for a, an athlete that's been around a while. A beginner athlete can honestly be finding things out about themselves all the time, you know? So even if there's training within themselves, they may find moments where they're discovering new components of their fitness and their ability that they didn't know exist just simply because they haven't been doing it long enough. So in your article, you, you talk a bit about um, <clears throat> some different ideas and how you can structure the different types of efforts um, to, to look for those sessions which are going to push you to the limit and, and perhaps beyond. So can you fill us in on a couple of the, the ideas you've got if people are thinking, right, I want to I want to go out there and test myself and see what I can do. Give us some, some samples that you included in that article about um, types of sessions people can do. Yeah, so, you know, start, it's just if you go in the swim, bike, run order, um, for, for swimming, I think, you know, if you are swimming masters and you are swimming in a lane that's controlled, um, you could make it a challenge one day to say, you know what, I'm going to jump into the one lane ups main set and I'm just going to go as long as I can. You know, if you're, you know, ask politely to somebody, hey, would you mind if I just sat on your feet until I can't anymore? And then when I can't, I'll get out of the way. So you sort of know that, you know, I may not make this, but you're in a safe environment. And, uh, you know, the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to be, you know, you just stop at the end of the pool. I think you see that a lot with experienced swimmers and people that are pure swimmers growing up is, you know, they definitely don't fear challenges as much because I think they're always in this sort of safe pool environment where nothing really bad happens if you don't make it. You just don't make it. Mm. Um, and another thing was, is just, just time trialing, but not for very long, you know, try different, uh, distances, you know, 400 meters, 200 meters, you know, a thousand meters and 2000 meters and those types of things. <laughs> I think that's cool. But, um, you know, in that sense, I like more the open water swim races where, you know, maybe you try something that you wouldn't otherwise in a, in a triathlon because you're worried about the bike run. And then for cycling, you know, I like um, short duration time trials are, are a good challenge, but also hopping into some group rides where, you know, they go really hard and perhaps it's a challenge to stay with people. And But in those situations, I would choose the group rides that um, the fast bit isn't quite so long that you're, you're, you know, sort of pacing the effort. Like you, instead, I, I'd rather it, you know, they were going hard for, say 20k of, of a ride instead of 100k of a ride so that you can really kind of go for it and uh, if you don't make it you know maybe next week you try to make it a bit further and that that sort of thing and on the run i like short duration running races um I, in the article i suggested that if you're below a below a 40 minute 10k or then doing up to the 10k distance is good if you're if slower than 40 minutes on a, in a 10K, then I think 5K is probably the way that you want to go. Even if you're pretty quick, I still think 5K is good because if you are really on your limit, you're probably only going to have to pay the price for that in the last 5 to 10 minutes as opposed to 20. Mm-hmm. You know, th- those can be a good chance to really go for it without having a fear of, well, you know, it's going to really hurt if I kind of don't make it. 
And Bevan, your question before about experienced athletes, um, you know, whether it's beneficial for, as beneficial for them as inexperienced. And one of, as, I, as I make my comeback, which starts in two days' time. Oh, it's about to start, team. February 1st, it's about to start. Um, one of the things I'll be doing is providing we finish the show on time on Tuesday mornings. Is a, oh, okay. Is a, it's my, is a, if you don't do it, it's my fault. Exactly. There's a bunch right here, and, and I, I'm solely going to be doing that bunch ride for that purpose, is I want to be pushed out of my comfort zone because um, I've got into a bit of comfortable training in terms of Ironman stuff so um, I'm really looking forward yeah. to that you know Justin oh, sorry you were going to say no I was, uh, you know I think that those group ride scenarios assuming the group ride is safe you know I mean you don't want to risk um, risk injury over the sake of just going hard but they can be really really great particularly for Ironman athletes in, in the sense that they give you an opportunity to hit some gears you just don't because you're not actually thinking about going hard you're just holding a wheel or taking a pull or doing whatever and so i think that those are 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 great sort of icing on the cake type sessions so so you know like obviously there's there's a place for this in our training and it's um and there's lots of benefits if we can learn to go to a high level with intensity and and obviously physiologically as well you know but uh, one of the things that we've got to be aware of is that there are a lot of people who seem to race every session as well and so what kind of balance do you want to get between getting these types of sessions into your program and just sticking within training zones that are actually healthy for your progress. Right. I mean, the majority of your training should not be doing this. Mm. I think it's I think it's when you've been stringing together some some good, solid, consistent training um, across all all zones and you're feeling good about things and you decide, you know, now it's it's time to, you know, create a challenge for myself and and note not sometimes you can you can do these things on the fly, but I think it's good to sort of say, okay, well, on you know on Tuesday I'm going to try to do something that I've never done before or whatever. Have it in your mind so that even as you're going into those sessions, you know maybe you're tempering the efforts the day before so that you can set yourself up well for the challenge. Um, but definitely, you know, even though we're talking about putting together these types of sessions and challenges and blowing up and going for it and all these types of things, they should not be the norm because they, the, the norm should be establishing training that, you know, generates fatigue, but not failure is the way I would put it. Mm. So, um, you know, controlled sessions that, that leave you tired, but nothing that was going to take so much out of you that you can't bounce back from it in a reasonable time frame. I think you finished, you finished your article with a little quote from Mark Allen, which I thought was quite, quite appropriate mm-hmm. yeah so it was hope i say it right it's not in front of me but don't push your limits often but when you do push them hard i know you nailed it 100 percent, mate got it right in front I of me verbatim. so i think that's, that's Actually, totally true. You know, I, i'd always heard I'd always heard that quote and assumed that he said it, but I actually Googled it to make sure that like he was quoted as <laughs> actually said it when I, before I put it in there. So I, I assume he said it. He's getting all the credit for it at least. Yeah. So. Cause it is only so many times in a season uh, and even in your career where, and I know Brett Sutton sort of talked about that with Chrissy Wellington as well. There's only so many times you can go to that well and go full, 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 Deep, absolute near-death experience, and uh, I think sometimes people maybe just do it well, a I think, little bit you know, too often. I think the thing is as well is if you like to train with other people a lot, that's one of the tendency that seems to happen in those situations is that just that competitive edge comes out in your training all the time. I know I was probably a bit guilty of it, and um, you know it's almost like every day is an A day, and you know if we think about how to set up a balanced program, that's actually not the objective, is it? 
No, I think, you know, a good, a good training partner will push you, but not try to break you, you know? So there's sort of like, there, there's a, there's an agreement of, or, you know, maybe a, a silent agreement amongst you and whomever else that you're training where you're going to kind of keep things on task, but not try to beat one another just for the sake of, you know, getting to the top of the climb first, you know, mm. not kicking it at what I like Lydiard. If you look at Arthur Lydiard, he liked to have his athletes do lots of um, various duration uh, time trials on the track or wherever, you know, running over various distance. But one of the things that he was very clear about was you cannot kick at the end. So he, he wanted you to do a solid, hard effort, but there is no, you know, last 200, 400 meters, you really go for it. So there's always that one piece that's held back that differentiates, you know, effective training versus what you want to do when it really counts, you know, when there's something on the line. So one other thing just to discuss before we close off on this topic is, is perhaps the, the, the downfalls of um, and, and things just to be wary of, because as you said, the, the psychological impact of this, and maybe this came out on that, that thread that you guys had on Endurance Corner Forum, um, you know, what are some of the downfalls and, and pit, pit, pitfalls of uh, training to fail and, and, you know, setting yourself up for potential failure? Well, I think um, you can't <laughs> – I, I suppose the biggest challenge is when people identify failure in a workout as a failure in you as a person. You know, mm-hmm. you can't get wrapped up in thinking that your sessions defined who you are and what you're capable of. Additionally, I mean, you know, I, <clears throat> I'll suggest workouts for, for people and uh, when they don't complete them – I just tell them, you know, you know what you're capable of based on the best sessions that you've had. So this is clearly a reflection of you're having an off day, you're not fully recovered and all those types of things. So there's other factors that are going going to go into every day that you're out there. I mean, it happens on race day, it happens on training days, you know, not every day is is you know, most days are average, some are below that and some are above that. So when you go out to do these sessions, you can't get caught up in um, the only way that you're going to get something from it is if it's, you know, a personal best or if it's, um, something that you've never seen before, you know, you, you, you just need to take it in stride and know that, um, you know, you went for something, you tried it, it may or may not have worked out. How can you make it happen the next time? And that's so, so learning from it in a constructive manner is probably the best way I would say to keep it in perspective. And I always look at things, opportunities. Like I did a, a race at the weekend, and it was uh, it was pretty slow. Pretty did you slow win? Going. No, I didn't win. Oh, I, I, I won my age group, Bevan. That's oh, all, okay, that's all that is. I just I, I was a winner, but um, I just came out of that thinking there's so many opportunities. You know, the areas where I could have improved. So I don't know. That's the way I look at. It. There's always opportunities. Well I, well, I think the thing is as well is that it, it's like. Are you an optimistic person or do you know you're kind of pessimistic? And and I think if you can identify that within yourself, like, you know, I'm an optimistic person, so I always kind of see things as an opportunity or, or pretty brightly, whereas there are people out there who are pessimists. And if you know that about yourself and you know that you're going to be quite harsh on yourself, at least try to rationalise as much as possible by using things like the statistics, the numbers behind it, so you can look at it as as a picture outside of your personality, so you can make decisions based on that, not as in I'm a failure, you know, the, the big broad um, sweeping statements people make about themselves which actually don't really define the session Mm. Um, Justin the other thing you've got going on in Endurance Corner at the moment is um, you've got a Kindle book coming out which is a bit of a a bit of a summary of a whole bunch of articles from Endurance Corner so can you can you sort of run us through that 
Yeah, so our editor, Nick Mathers, put together an ebook which had I'm not actually sure how many how many of us are technically contributors, probably maybe close to a dozen of um, people that have written articles over the years uh, on various topics, uh, anything from health, training, nutrition, etc. And um, he compiled it and edited it and added some content to it and put it in an ebook format that you can buy on Amazon for $9.99. So if you if you go to our website, there's a, the, there's a banner ad right on the main page that you could just click straight through. It'll take you to the page where you can purchase it and and uh, you know download it in a minute, and then you got everything that you need. I think there's hundred and there's almost two hundred pages of of material in there, so it's it's pretty good. If you are on Amazon, the book's called The Best of Endurance Corner, and it's all yeah. five star ratings, John. So it must mm, be good. Nice, and I'm I'm a recent uh, Kindle. Oh, did you get a Kindle? Kindle, did you? Kindle for Christmas. Yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm now on the uh, the ebook well, wagon. You'll be getting the ebook. And Justin, um, any camps coming up? You guys got the uh, the Tucson camp, obviously coming up pretty soon. But anything else uh, happening on the camp front? Yeah, we we've got Tucson in in three weeks, I think, uh, three weeks from this weekend, I suppose. And um, it'll be our sixth annual one there. We'll have our Boulder camp this summer again in June, and registration for that will probably open in the next week or so. And we don't have it up and ready, but I'm going to do a um, sort of weekend camp clinic in the Dallas-Fort Worth area over Memorial Day with Ron Tribendis and Harold Wilson in partnership with a triathlon shop in Plano called TriShop. So we're still sort of behind the scenes putting that all together. That'll be more of an instructional, informational type of uh, two-day clinic as opposed to a training camp like the others two are. But um, So look for that probably in the next I don't know, a month or so for information to be out on that and registration to be open. Um, good old Ron, he was a he was an epic camper one year here, and and that's just going back to our original topic is, and, and I know we're, we're probably going to be plugging our own camps and everything here because, uh, but but one thing that we learned about epic camp um, that was an opportunity where your, your age grouper who maybe trains ten to fifteen hours a week and they come into epic camp and they do. 30 hours in, in a week yeah. um, I know that, that seemed to be a, a massively beneficial way for, for people to really um, discover those boundaries improve you know their central governor and um, I don't know have you, have you found similar things with the camps that you've been involved with in terms of you know over distance camps uh, oh yeah absolutely actually I put that in the article um, in terms of another way to challenge yourself is sort of collectively to have this you know instead of a specific session you might say yeah, I train 10 hours a week and I'm going to go somewhere and train 30. That seems pretty unreasonable. Um, I think that that's absolutely the case with these training camps all the time. Um, you know, most people, I'd say most people that come to our camps, the median training hour average is 10 to 15 hours, somewhere in there. So for them to come in and train five, six hours a day for six, six days in a row, I definitely think that they find out what is capable when you strip away everything else. So when you take away, you know, what they, what it is they have to do for their job that day, their their errands, their, you know, whatever, cooking their own meals, doing all these things, when all you ask them to do is eat, train, and sleep, they're really capable of a lot. So I think it does reset um, a lot of what they know about themselves and what they're capable of doing in training when they put themselves in the, that type of environment. Totally. 
that's great. Awesome. Okay, well, Justin, um, you're you're off to Panama this weekend. Um, what else you got planned on the uh, the racing front this season? Well, the first half of the season will be built around going back to Ironman Texas, um, which is you know basically the Woodlands is a North Houston suburb, and I grew up in Houston, so that'll probably always be where I go race in the spring in terms of an Ironman. Um, and the plan is to race probably Galveston 70.3 in uh, April and one other race somewhere in there. I haven't quite decided yet. So sort of racing every maybe six weeks and going into Ironman Texas. And uh, then after that, I'll sort of make some decisions towards the second half of the season. So racing is a pro with the pro card. Um what, what you know? Obviously, you pay your seven hundred fifty dollars or whatever it is to to get a pro card. How, how late in the piece can you guys leave your your entry for races? Can you leave it you know right up until the last week or two? And are there any penalties if you enter and don't show up and things like no, that? They, you know, I think there's been. I think they've closed registration on certain races. They certainly have the right to, and certain races um, suggest a. Uh, registration date whether it be a month out or something so i think it probably depends on how the fields are filling up Mm. um if i know that i'm gonna race like i'm already registered for texas for instance although i probably wouldn't have to if i didn't want to for for another you know a couple months or whatever um but if i'm guaranteed to go into a race i enter it but far far out i don't really mind but Mm. uh generally speaking I doubt that I ever register for a race um, unless there's some weird circumstance less than sort of four to six weeks out. Mm. There's been a couple where I got sick or something and had to pull out and replace a race. But other than that, um, I'm usually showing up to the races that my name is on. Cool. Rightio, guys, if you want to check out um, any of the articles from the guys of Endurance Corner, go to endurancecorner.com. Got the ebook out there as well. And if you're keen to push your limits with some camps, they've got uh, various camps to do. Plenty of good camps. Check it all out. So thanks as always for your time, Justin. Thanks, man. Your thoughts, John? He's an insightful man, old Justin. He's an insightful man. He's like a Wikipedia. He is full of knowledge. It's all true. (laughs) It's all true. There you go. Yeah. Can't be edited at all. Okay. um, Any thoughts just before we move on? Uh, I think we covered most of it, most of it in there. Um, but uh, yeah, as as we I think we just discussed when we were sort of closing out, you always look at these things as opportunities. If you blow up in training, you can learn from it. Mm. And and what can you do better next time? And uh, but I certainly. As I think I sort of said in the interview, is, is, is when he talked about that central governor stuff, is you, you, you really do need to, from time to time, push yourself outside that comfort zone. Um, and really, you know, one of the things Noakes often says is you're not going to die. You know, your body's not going to allow you to die from absolutely drilling it in training or in racing. So, you know, I, I think one thing I'd say is, is uh, and, and it was great to hear Justin say it, sprints and Olympics, go out and do some sprint triathlons and, uh, and really just, bury yourself you know like when I did that race at the weekend on the bike I was really working pretty hard and wasn't really contemplating what sort of impact that was going to have on my run so it was not an A race it was just a it was essentially a training race um but yeah just getting yourself out of that comfort zone and you can do that in in certain training as well and just 
making yourself a little bit mentally stronger when the going gets tough. Physiologically, this stuff may not benefit you very much, but mentally, if you know you can push just that little bit more and then just push that little more and hold it, uh, you've gained a lot out from it. Well, I think the other thing as well is it's fun. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I did the uh, the Queenstown, <laughs> the, yeah, the yeah. QT, and... Uh, and I, I, I haven't done many short course races ever. Mm. And, you know, and, and, you know, I'm not fit. I'm not what I was and all the rest mm. of it. But I loved it. It was mm. a, like it was a good experience. And it's good to get out there and have some hurt. You know, like yeah. it was, you know, in the mountains of my whole family, it was good to have in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, so, you know, it is good just, you know, if you're just always training. Yeah. You know, and, and the unfortunate thing about our sport is you just don't race that much. Yeah. And so it's nice to have these events along the way that, you know, have a bit of a laugh, have a bit of fun exactly. and learn that next level in yourself. And don't be afraid of blowing up from time to time. It's all good for you. Okay, John, sponsor. Coffees of Hawaii. Oh, tell me about it, John. Tell well, me about it. Well, one of the things we talked about with Justin just here at the end was um, some camps and stuff. In 2014, when I go to Kona, it's going to be a round-the-island camp. And when we go around the island, we're going to go to Hilo. And I've never been to Hilo before, Bevan. Neither. So if you want to get you some Hilo 2014 coffee. 2014 camp is this? 2014 in Kona. Are you doing the 2013 camp? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah it's sold right. out like a... Big, big time, a waiting list and everything on that So one. is 2014 sold out? 2014 is not sold out. Got a number of people on the list. Haven't got all the... It's actually not selling yet? It's not. You can go on the hey, list. Hey, if you want to give them some money, we'll take it. No, <laughs> you can go on the list. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm hoping for another sellout, and that combines them with the, the code of 70.3. So the Hilo Kanahiluhua coffee comes from Hilo. Our bright, full-bodied, 100% Hilo coffee is roasted, roasted mildly to retain its fresh essence. Hints of butter and spices are rolled out in floral afternotes, a perfect cup to serve alongside your favourite dessert or morning pastry. We should have morning pastries in the studios here, Bevan. That'd be nice. Get Joe to whip up a croissant or two. I worked in America, and uh, when I was working in America, there's a guy called I, it was some real kind of typical American name, like Randy or something like that. And he was a real cool guy. But he was, we worked in this fitness place, you know, Les Mills, and we were in the office. And this guy, he was pretty overweight, and but he was a bit of a character. And every day he'd bring a box of pastries for everyone to share. And I have to admit, it was pretty gold. It was guy. yeah. I'm just think it. if you'd had your Hilo coffee in there as well, oh, perfect. Just. Divine eight ounce bag for uh, fifteen twenty eight. Two if you really like it. Two pound bag for nine fifty six bucks, or a five pound bag for one hundred and eleven bucks. But it's going to be cheaper than that if you use your codes, your, your promo codes. So go to imtalk.me and you can get your Kona co- your, your codes there and uh, get yourself some good old fragrant rain Hilo coffee. Oh, fragrant rain. It just rains down the fragrance. Yes, so I'm looking forward to going to Hilo. On the oh, it'd be awesome. Yeah, looking forward to going full loop of the island, going around Hilo and then coming up back around um, the back side of the island, coming up through Harvey and stuff. Getting quite stay, I think we're going to be staying a night in Waimea and then going out around Hilo. It's going to be cool. It's mm. a bit different. Bring it on, John. Bring it on. So check it out, coffeesofhawaii.com. Okay, check, check, check it out, guys. Okay, so next up we've got, oh, John, can I just do a quick This Week in Lance? I know it was dead, but this if is a funny one. If you must. I was on the internet this morning before the show, doing my prep, and... Uh, well, you weren't doing your prep if you are looking at that stuff. Well, this popped up, and I have to admit it's pretty good. What someone's done is they've gone on, and they've edited the Lance interview, <laughs> which is, you know, and they've done it with the song Creep by Radiohead. Do you know that song? I um, think I do. Creep. Yeah. Okay, so listen to this. Listen to this. I'll put my mic close to it. Um, I don't care if it hurts. He does, he does swear. I want to have control. Um, I want a perfect body. Those are the words of song, John? Yeah. I want a perfect soul. Um, I want you to know this. 
when I am not around. I Oprah, you're so fucking special. I wish I was uh, special. But I, 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 I'm a creep. Oh, yes. I'm a fucking weirdo. <laughs> Fever, and this is X-rated. We're going to have to X-rate our show now. It was pretty good. Oh, I'm nice. sorry about the swearing, but we all saw Lance's interview, let's be honest. Yeah. And, and he swore on the interview, so it was from him. But it's very good. I'll put a link to that on dub dub dub. I am talked up me, but it's, it's, someone's gone through the whole interview and edited it together. So I thought it was pretty clever. Well, if, if you're going to do this week and Lance, I read something as, as well. Um, the guy, Travis Taggart, um, was saying that uh, Lance was lying for quite some time in that interview. Who's that? Who's who? Uh, so he's the, he's the head of uh, USADA. Um, oh, is he? Yeah. And he said. Uh, yeah, I think I think you brought this up last week around the lies of the two thousand nine two thousand ten tour was was is definitely a lie. Well, one in a million chance that it's not. And 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 I think you mentioned around that there's a statute of yeah, limitations, whatever yeah. limitations and that runs for five years. So that's why he can uh, doesn't want to get busted for those two there because then he'll be up for perjury or or something else. So yeah. Anyway, moving let's on. Let's move on, John. Let's move, move on. on. Move on. No, I do have to say one thing. Last thing about this weekend, Lance. Some people are saying, you know, Lenari's come out. Let's forgive him. He only came out because he wants something. Yeah. You know, and he only came out because he was busted. You know. Yeah. So, I, uh, anyway, move on. The website of the week. John, do you want some music? I do want music. Okay, though. here's some music. Um, um, once again, sorry about swearing. Yeah. But there's Lance, and he's not a good person. So, <laughs> here we go. Website of the week. Okay, John, it's a great website this week, and, uh, and the reason is because I've kind of aborted John's idea of doing a recipe of the week each week on the show. It's not getting, I wasn't. It's just a special. It's not a recipe of the week. It's not every week. It's just going to come in on special it's occasions. A special that may not ever happen again. But wow. Roger Thompson sent through an email saying, "Well, I know you guys aren't too hot on the cookbook idea. I am Roger. Yep. But my wife and a couple of her friends have a blog, and now it's what is it?" Uh, SpokaneDinnerClub.blogspot.com uh, That posts some serious good meals I would suggest using the keyword search of Jesse, Which is my wife So obviously a little bit biased there But that definitely gets some brownie points yeah, doesn't it J-E-S-S-I um, Who has the top 10 most viewed recipes Now you screwed up there John, Roger Because what's happened is She would have gone and showed the whole club You know here Oh look we're on this podcast You know and, and she would have put it on But now that you've made out that she's the best she can't do that anymore. No. Even though she is technically the best. Yeah. You know, just saying. She can't, she can't, she can just now say, oh, Roger sent me through to some podcast and we're getting lots of PR. Mm. But no, because I'm going to search for Jesse. Uh, so this is yeah, it's the Spokane Dinner Club, and it's uh, so it's not super tri specific, but Oh, John. Um, it, this isn't tri specific, but Jesse's famous chocolate Kalua cake. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that. Oh. oh, nice. The first recipe up there is an Italian chicken sausage tortellini soup. Uh, you got a nice spicy chipotle turkey burger. Uh, you got a bit of uh, baked chicken chimichanga. Sorry? Zitti. Z I T I. Zitti. Baked zitti. 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 With pesto. Don't know. Looks pretty good. Yeah. But it all looks like pretty nice stuff in here. Enchiladas. 
Chim- I used to always make enchiladas. I've made them since I lived with Joe. Mm-hmm. It's probably because I don't cook that much, yeah. but but a chimichanga action. So it's basically just a, it's, it's it's a good looking web um, recipe site. So. Cranberry orange almond biscotti. Nice, John. I don't get biscotti. No, nor do I. No, I don't get it. Stale biscuits. Yeah, mm. you know. And and when you go to a cafe, they charge like three bucks for a piece of small biscotti. All they've, done, all they've done is left it in the oven yeah, for an extra hour. Exactly. So anyway, this is Spokane Dinner Club. If you want to, if you're looking for some new recipes, and uh, check it out, SpokaneDinnerClub.blogspot.co.nz. Uh, club, John. Are you involved in any other clubs? Club. Got co.nz. Anyway, I oh, know because um, what Blogspot does is it just goes on wherever country you're in. Okay. So it knows that we're in New Zealand, right. so it changes its URL. Okay. Am I involved in any other clubs? Um, no, not if really. If you were to join a club, because this obviously oh, yeah. is a dinner club where they go along. Like one yep. lady at the gym, what their friends do, which is quite a cool idea, is once a month they meet up at somebody's house for mm-hmm. dinner, but they do different cultures. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you might do Morocco one month and then they might do mm-hmm. Indian and then they might do and so on. And everybody has to create a dish. Now, I like that idea. Mm-hmm. What club would you do if you were to join a club? Yeah, it'd be dinner or wine. Oh, really? Mm. Bit of a wine club? Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe we should have the Iron Talk wine club. We could do, yeah. Meet up. Tasting. We're going to for a bit of wine tasting there at Alvino Fino from time to time. It's pretty good. Do you? Yeah. yeah. So what does it cost you? Oh, it ranges from sort of about 20 bucks or so. You get, you get, they got a good pause there as well. It's not Do like you get a bit happy on it? Yeah, you get a little bit happy. You take normally taste about eight months. No. <laughs> no, don't That's be silly. just pathetic. <laughs> That's pathetic. How do you, when you're doing, because you know when you go to, because I don't know much about tasting wine, but when you go to the to the pharmacy and you're trying some, you know, you get yeah. a free spray. And then, but then you try lots of different flavors, and your nose just gets overwhelmed with flavors. Yeah. And sometimes a good pharmacy has the coffee beans. Yeah, because smell the coffee beans. Right, back, yeah. to, back to zero. Yeah. When you're at a wine club, how do you make sure the taste gets out of your mouth so the next one tastes different? They got water. They got a little bit of cheese, a little bit of baguette there. Oh, you think they lay it all on? Yeah, and then you just have a little bit between each tasting. Have you ever got like kind of drunk? No. It's not quite that much to get drunk, <laughs> but it's, it's all good. So that's, that's why we know it will be. There we go. Website of the week. Thank you very much. To well, just one thing Roger did say, make sure you check out the banana ice cream. And he's, he gave your blender a bit of a plug here, John. Oh, yeah. Banana ice cream, four bananas. And I'm not going to read it because I give you a hard time about doing this. Yeah. But he just said it's absolutely I'm, I'm, delicious. Seriously, the blender is kicking butt. He puts on a serious face. No, seriously. Oh, Why, John? You, you freeze, so he, 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 kids love it. You freeze your bananas. Yep. Um, and or you just do these real simple ones. You don't necessarily always have to do green smoothies. But like for our kids, I'll do like, um, I'll just put bananas in and then uh, almond milk and then maybe just a little bit of vanilla essence. You smunch, you munch that up, and it just crunches. It makes it like a little sort of slushy, mm. and uh, it's just delicious, and it's just so healthy. <laughs> we make our own almond, but we make our own almond milk now. Do you? What do you do? Get some milk and put some almonds in it. No, you soak the almonds in water, and then you uh, you have to put them through a bit of muslin, and then you uh, why is it munch milk? It Sorry, why is it good milk? It looks like milk. That's why. Does it? Yeah. Does it taste like milk? It's healthy. It's great. Yeah. It'd be it's quite very expensive. expensive. Almonds, almonds aren't cheap. Very expensive. <laughs> Tell you the links we have to go to to look after our kids. Uh, all good. Bloody, bloody, what is it at the moment? Yeah, sunflower. They got most most rice milks and almond milks have got sunflower oil, and we think we might have a bit of an issue with sunflower oil. Oh, you guys have got a hard life. Mm. Luckily, you've got a good blender. Mm. Uh, no, makes do, life better. Have we got another sponsor? Uh, at, the, at the end. Okay. Um, questions and answers. Dave Luterate. Lara Kidd, isn't Dave, it? Lara. Lara. I don't even, Dave, I know we, we know you. We've met you plenty of times. So just um, Lateret. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry if I pronounced your surname wrong, Dave. Last week on the show, we were talking about the, um, the Auckland 70.3, and I don't have a clue anything about Chris Kemp. Um, I knew he'd been to the States from time to time. He said last year he was a hit and miss guy with injury, but when he was here at Vineman 70.3, a $50,000 race. Dave, Dave puts on the race. He was uh, fourth on a very solid day against um, Bennett, Gambles, Paul Matthews, and he was fourth ahead of Terenzo Botzoni, Graham McGrady, and Luke McKenzie. So, uh, so he's not just a. A one could wonder, but he's um, sounds like he's a bit of an up and down guy. But that was definitely the biggest race of his uh, career. Stop looking at your passport. Well, I'm going to, have to talk about my passport soon because it's, it's, it cracks me out with a few funny stories. Um, yeah, nice. And, and we actually got an email from someone else talking about um, Chris saying he's kind of a guy who hasn't. He's actually done quite well in some Australian races as well. Right. Injury. He's had a few injuries and stuff. So mm. good to see him coming on and taking out that big race. Mark Scudamore also sent him in. He was wondering about John's weight loss. I put on a bunch of weight when I injured my back and couldn't train for a year. Here's how I lost my 13.5 kgs in six months. John, if you were, just before we start, if you couldn't train, do you think you'd end up being quite fat? Um, no, I, I'd put on a little bit, but I've um, I've had periods where I haven't trained, like when I was in the UK, and I porked up a little bit, but um, no. Still had control around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I would have to watch myself a bit, though. Yeah, you um, just can't have those really freakish times, can you? No, he's got the PTFD diet, and we'll come to that in a second. Rule number one, do not eat if you're not hungry. Good. Rule number two, no fast food or junk. Donuts, burritos, pizza, etc. Number three, uh, four, pizza. four servings of fruit and vegetables per day. Number four, if after finishing first serving during a meal and feeling like you want seconds, wait 10 minutes and then refer to rule number one. Like it. Nice. Uh, I dropped uh, one to two pounds a week every week and went from zero miles per week running the Pikes Peak Marathon eight months after I started training. And the PTFD is put the fork down. Nice. Just put the fork down. You can put, Don't do it. You can, you can change that to the PD, PTFFD. Put the, the friendly fork down? Yes. Yes, I thought that's what you meant. Or you can refer back to our Lance interview. Yes, exactly. Bevan's He's a creep. Fork. Well, no, it's not me, it's Lance. Yeah, it's not me. Did you watch the Lance interview? I did. He swore on it, John. I don't remember him swearing on that. No, neither, actually. (laughs) Obviously he did. Yeah, obviously he did. Uh, (laughs) So good good advice there by Mark. Um, Thank you very much, and well done on getting your weight under control. I've got a bit of work to do on mine. Okay, Rich, I'm actually pretty pretty happy with where I'm at. Good, good. That's why you always wear that baggy clothing. Do you know what, John? Yeah, to hide my to hide my yeah. weight. I'm actually too skinny. Oh no! Yeah, I'm trying to put some weight on. I'm sure everybody's heart's just burning for you, Bevan. Oh no, oh, because poor Bevan's too skinny. No, because you go to um, in my industry, you go to my like last week. I've been in Auckland for the last couple of weeks, and the look of my industry is not skinny. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. And I'm around all these guys who are quite big and stuff, and so uh, you're the, not feeling secure about your weight. I'm a little bit insecure, John. No, yeah. it's just the arms. Because yeah. back when before I did triathlon, I had these mean arms. I was a bit of an axe on the yeah. weight room. Like your guns. And uh, well, no, nowadays look at that. It's not, they're not really there. So, John, I have added one email from Richard yes. Swanee Knight. Yes. And uh, and he was just saying he did he did do Auckland seventy point three. And he said that I actually got his result wrong. He didn't go as fast as what I made. He did last week on the show, and I said just don't tell anyone. Okay. But he, we did men- mention Anna Ross, but he did say when I forgot to bring this up last week, the course was one point five k too long, and they acknowledged that at the prize giving. Okay. 1.5k too long. I thought it was quite um, the, the run course. Yeah. That's impressive because I had a few athletes that had pretty good runs there and uh, and they'll be stoked. Well, so he was saying he thought he was going deceptively slow running through the viaduct with um, numerous twists and turns and slippery tiles. Yes. But, you know, he said that was, that was pretty crazy. But 
I know somebody else who did the race and he also said to me it was 1.5 long and he was, you know, like, because his K-Pace was saying he was going to finish, I think, around 145 from the run. Yeah. And he was going longer and he's like, what's happening? And yeah. But to get a 1.5K wrong in a championship race? Mm. See, my, see my tone then? Yeah, you're not happy, with it. You're not happy with it. Especially, <laughs> especially when it, is, uh, it was uh, an out and back run on uh, and today's on times, that, that how, do you, how does that happen? They used Met My Run, that was their problem. Yeah, yeah. Because Met My Run... We use it for our running group, and it's good guide, but it's pretty yeah, yeah. inaccurate. Yeah, and uh, and then we drive the course, and then often we get a little bit out, but we're not a championship race, mm. you know. And one point five is pretty massive, so that's pretty cool. Um, he was also saying there's massive rolls down for Vegas, like the Vegas slots. Yeah, expect that. No one really wanted them. Right, racing in New Zealand. Kona slots were gone. I, be, I bet you though that they, they get. I bet the roll down now for Vegas is less than what it used to be for Clearwater, because seriously, who wanted to go to Clearwater? Um, but I think Vegas now does have a bit of a championship feel to it. Well, and also you're in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Get a bit of a week around it. Yeah. Um, well, organised event. Uh, there was a bit of carnage on the bike, few spills. The bike was deceptively tough and slow at times. Swim and ride got tougher, slower as the day went on, especially for those who started late. I had a guy who came along for a run session last night. He uh, he was racing pro and he crashed on the bike. Who was that? Uh, I was just looking for his name there. His name was Harry, well, Harry, and I presume it was Harry Springhall because he had a DNF up there. Do you know Brett Tingy finished? Uh, I couldn't find his name. He had a mean ass crash the other day. Oh, well, I don't know how, how badly he crashed, but he uh, he his bike was not looking pretty when I saw it in the bike shop. Oh no, poor guy. Brett Tinge. No, he did not finish. Oh, I wonder what happened because there was pictures of him in the run. Anyway, that's just about John and I. Uh, sponsor slstry.com. Um, Pete Rabusic who was winning the Israel Man uh, at the weekend. He's a SLS athlete, so I'm sure he'll be feeling good after the race um, wearing his compression recovery gear. Um, make sure you do check out their sale items on slstry.com. There's some pretty mean deals on there um, on a whole variety of things, so check that out. They've got a sales tab on there. Um, SLS Try Intelligent Race Apparel. There you go, Vera. It's intelligent. Well, if you listen to this show, you're obviously an intelligent person. It, it's uh, it's designed to reduce muscle vibration, a major cause of muscle fatigue, improve the feedback between your body and your brain, increase accuracy and efficiency of your movement, and provide superior comfort and fit. So if you're an intelligent person and you want some intelligent race apparel... John, are you intelligent? I believe I am, because <laughs> I wear some SLS gear. <laughs> I believe I am, yeah. even though other people tell me I'm not, yeah, I believe yeah. I am. No, and that's I, all that matters. And yeah. so if you want to believe you're intelligent, get some SLS. i tell you what, when we did that camp um, a few weeks ago... Um, How many people did you have on that camp? 30. Wow. So it was good. Um, uh, I heard it was a good camp. Training. I got good feedback, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it, was, it was awesome. Yeah. It's always... Bit easier when the weather's weather's nice, but every night, you know, it was pretty toasty up there. Still sleeping in my SLS tights every night, and uh, really, yeah, you know, we had some pretty toasty nights, and and I was not getting. John, I'm off. gonna go. To, I'm gonna go somewhere. Yeah, the diddle factor when you're wearing tights in bed. What about the diddle factor? Was it a little uncomfortable? Get a little no. hot? No, a bit sweet. <laughs> I got to admit, it's not the great greatest for the. Uh, the do you normally the wear? What do you wear to bed normally? Uh, boxes. Oh, do you wear do you wear stuff to bed? Do you? Yeah. I'm a bit of a nudie man myself. Well, you don't have to get up to kids who are three and five years old and oh, slap them around the face with <laughs> <laughs> things. Okay, fair so, enough. <laughs> Good call. So, uh, no, but when I'm, when I'm, whenever I'm on camp situation, whether it be an epic camp or any sort of camp, seriously, I do wear um, my SLS tights um, pretty much every night. 
they do have to get washed from time to time. So, but but is it because of other reasons? Maybe, maybe I need seven pairs, um, <laughs> Sebastian. Flicker, flicker, sir. A few few bonus ones there. But no, um, and I feel that they do really make a big difference. And even on camps, even, when when you know when you've done those hard days, did you train on this camp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. at all. So when you're doing those hard days, it really helps. Oh yeah, no, I no, I really find it does. Um, just take them off, and, you, and your legs. When you take them off, your legs just do feel, you know, that little bit lighter. So, um, you know, I like it. Mm. SLS try team, get them on. Check it out. Uh, dot, what is it? com and remember to use the code IMTalk. And remember, if you ever want any of our codes for any of our sponsors, you go to imtalk.me and we've got our sponsors page here, and it's got promotional codes just on the drop down there, so you can get it from there. John, we've got to finish this this week. Nope. So remember, guys, if you do any iron distance races, we know there aren't many coming up, but if you did uh, Wanaka or any of the the recent ones, um, make sure you go on to imtalk.me and click on, click on, click on. Uh, It's called um, Finishes. Community, tell us about your finish. Community, tell us about your finish and just let us know what sort of race you had and uh, how your time sort of compared. Did you talk about SLS tries sale items? Yes, I did talk about SLS sale items. I just put it there. John, (laughs) we did get an email from Tim. Tim. Heming. Yeah. And he's saying, we were pretty poor on our our finishes last week. You need to sharpen up. Well, my argument was, John, it's week number one with the new names. We're finding our feet. Yeah. He said, sharpen up. Okay. So next time we're going to have to do a little bit better. Well, you just sprung it on me. That's why I, was, I wasn't ready. Oh, I so it's not my fault. Piece. It is your fault. <sighs> I thought we were just using the names for the swim caps, but now apparently we're using them um, for, for any, every finisher. Oh, you've got to give them the name. Okay. Give them something to aspire to. So let's say you're like a, uh, what are some of the names? Kailua Crusher. Okay. And you want to go to the next level? You want to be a Harvey Hammer? Yes, see? Yeah. So, you know, and so you go, yes. And when you're in that race and you're, you know, you're two minutes closer to that time, you go, I want to be a hammer. I don't remember those names. Yeah, we're going to have to get them printed in our mind, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. yeah. I put them on the show notes every week. Actually, do that. That's mm. a good idea because that makes us look professional. Mm. Okay, John, sponsors. It's all about the look. Uh, Athlinks.com. Athlinks.com. Um, 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 For your um, history of results. Do Nelson try. You yeah. know, you'll always have to go back to it. Yeah. Coffees of Hawaii. Just just do it because it's so good. And you're going to Hilo uh, and Extreme Endurance. And do that because it's so good as well, John. And the new vanilla and the new discount code. Yes, $5 off. Do it. Mm. I am talking five. Okay, John, what's your goss? That's a number five, by the way, as well. Number five, not the word. He's yawning because I'm boring. I'm just waking up. Um, just waking up. So I had my first session back last night, just having a little stretch here because I'm a little bit on the sore side. What, what do you mean your first session back? First session sort of um, back from holiday. And uh, so Monday, Monday nights is going to be uh, you do back, a, run night, don't it's you? a It's a one and a half hour session, warm up, do about 25 minutes of core, then have a bit of a, you know, depending on what sort of phase we're in, steady run with a bit of, last night we did a steady run with some, people, some big many, speed. Is it just local tries? Just some little elites. So last night we had oh, 10, so it's good 10, runners. 10, 10 of us, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we're hurting a bit from the bit the core. But good to get a 90-minute session under the belt. And uh, I will have, I'll, I'll talk about my Project 2014. When's the website ready? Uh, I'm going to have it up on the 1st of February. Can I, can I have a little preview? Um, yeah, you can if you want, but uh, no. Uh, 1st of February? <laughs> yeah. It's like two days. I haven't got any photos or anything like that up there yet. Uh-huh. So I'm going to take some photos. How often today. are you going to update it? Because it's not going to be one of those, I've got a good idea, I'm going to make this great content website, and then you realise it's a lot of work and you're kind of... No, I'm updating it daily. Okay. I mean, I'm, I may not get every... May, you know, if there's a day where I just run out of time, but I'll have my daily training from every single day between February 1st and whatever date in October 2014 every single day will be on there if I'm on a camp then I'm not going to be able to upload it every day but 
all the data will go up. Mm. Well, there we go. Mark, Mark my words, Bevan. Mark, Mark those words. Mm. Any other goss? What else? Just day two back in the office, you know, back to the grindstone, Bevan. It's pretty tough when you've been away for more or less a month. <laughs> we were at our friends yesterday. The day. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're in the same boat as me. We're pretty lives. We've got pretty cool lives. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I get to spend pretty much all day doing the shit I like. And so we're, we're, we're in someone's house every day having a bit of a catch up with some friends. And their neighbour came over and he was a nice guy. But he really was, didn't want to go back to work. <laughs> and he goes, do you ever just get depressed? And I'm like, well, this guy doesn't like his job. <laughs> no. <laughs> so it cracked me up. Anyway. Time for a change. Bevan, what's happening in your world? John. Get your passport. Well, you know one thing that frustrates me about passports, John? A, You're not allowed to smile anymore? Well, yes, that's mm-hmm. one thing. You should see my daughter's. The poor kid looks like she's been abused all her life. but Which she has. But yeah, well, that's true, yeah. That's why she's not looking happy. But B, you only get five years, mm-hmm. which is, okay, you used to get 10. Mm-hmm. Not really happy about five because it's not cheap to get your passport. Mm-hmm. Drop out 150 bucks just for a document Especially like this. Especially you, you don't really get stamps much often, and I suppose you do because you... Oh, I do, but... Yeah. yeah, not 10 years When you go to Europe, you don't even get stamps. Oh, don't you? Well, you just, because when I'm on a European passport, you just oh, so I fly stamps. Mm. Yeah. I still like getting the stamps. Sometimes yeah. I just pull out the New Zealand just because I want the stamps. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. My, I lost my one. Remember when I lost that one in Rhodes? Yes, I did. And that was full of stamps, man. That was oh. so good. That broke my heart. Anyway, so the thing that sucks is you get five years, but if you go into some countries, they don't let you go unless it's six months more than. So you actually only get four and a half years? Mm, I'm hearing you. I'm going to Kuala Lumpur in two weeks, mm. as you do, and I had to get a new passport for it, which is all good. But the problem was I had to get it done really fastly because I'm going to Australia next week with Joe. Did you have to pay the express fee? Well, luckily I didn't. Online, John. <laughs> yeah. Online. Because express fee was like 350 bucks. Yeah. But the thing is, what's cool now is you don't have to go – you can do your photo on your own phone. Uh-huh. So I did my photo on my phone, but I got a haircut last week and I went to the barber because I was I need to get some because I was getting some work done. I said just a little bit off the sides. Yeah. It's a bit more than a little bit off the sides, isn't it, John? A little bit more than that. So look at my passport photo. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and is that Poindexter or um you got like a, a triangle here? Uh, it's not the best photo, okay? I look like a criminal. But what is cool about the new passport? Look at this. It's a hologram of me. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's I've pretty got cool. one of those bad boys. Yeah, You right. do look like a criminal on I that do. photo. It's like, like a jail photo. I know. I know. That's when I did the time. Yeah. Yep. So, my new passport. You're trying really hard not to smile. Well, because I don't want to have to go down to the shop because yeah. I was in a rush because I was in a hurry to get it done. Yeah, yeah. But luckily, yeah, that worked. So, we have a new passport off to Australia next week. Nice. Um, summer is good in Christchurch. Oh, it's cranking. It is a good summer team, and this week is meant to be sensational, mm. which is good. Um, any other goss? John? Go on, another bit of goss. Okay, can I tell you more? You yeah, go you, first. Okay. Thomas did his first triathlon by himself. It was like a simulation. Nice. So we were doing the Nelson race, and uh, it turned up, and they said, oh, you've got a, a kid's thing. A kid's thing. I, oh, bloody hell, I didn't know about that. We had Thomas's bike with us, um, and it was it was four, you know, um, five, five-year-olds sort of upwards, and I thought, oh, Tommy's only got his new bike. He's only had a couple of rides on it. I'm not sure. There's a couple of little inclines here, and I'm not sure if they actually swim or not, so I didn't put him in it, and, uh, and he could have done it. So after the race, um, t- Tommy was determined, Dad, I'm, what I've got to do this triathlon, I've got to do it. It. And so we said, okay. So I went and stood out in the sea, um, and I was the boy. Can he swim? Or did uh, he just not, out? not really, but he he he's got Made no he's got no fear now of the water. So yeah. he's just like boom, he's straight through the waves. And uh, so I stand out. So he had to swim a couple of meters just to get around me. So he had to run through the water for I don't know thirty meters and run around me and come back in. So he runs around, runs back into Belinda on the shore. He's got his shoes there, and 
and then I start walking in and he starts running back out. Dad, get back out there. It's a two-lap swim. He's <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. And then he's, he's got his new bike and I, and I had to run with him on, a, on his bike, but I could only just keep up. Oh, he really? was probably running at like, you know, 3 minute 30 K pace. I was like, oh, I've just done a race. And then he did a little run, so he was pretty proud of himself. Oh, nice work. Nice mm-hmm. work. What sport uh, will you get him into? I can just do whatever he wants to. No, but what do you think you'll get into? Um, I, he does like to run. So he, he'll probably do triathlon. <laughs> but I, he'll do what he wants to. Yeah, he'll do. He'll what probably he wants. do the Well, you ask me a question. He's he's pretty unco with um, ball sports and stuff. Still, he knows he's only five. But I'm not. <laughs> you're, giving not him, you're not developing that skill, but are you? But no, we 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 could could do better in that area. Um, so we'll see. John, it's interesting how when you have a partner, they rub off on you, and I'm not mm. just meaning literally. Yes, and. Um, you know, like, because if you used to come around, to, if you ever came around to my house back before I knew Joe mm-hmm. to like a visit, mm-hmm. which doesn't really happen, but mm-hmm. let's say you did, I wouldn't have ever thought to make you a hot drink. No. I would have never thought to offer you food. No. I actually had one friend who was very kind of good at that stuff years ago and he came around and I didn't even offer, I eventually offered him biscuits mm. and I said they're in the cupboard. So yeah, that's, how, that's how I used to roll. Had a friend come around the other day, John. Yeah. I put out a platter. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, strawberries. Oh, my goodness. Pate, hummus. Yeah. Oh, I even bought salami. Yeah. Oh, wow. Bought some your, your orange juice. Seven bucks that is. Yeah, you've got to get it on special. Seven bucks for some orange juice. Wow. I have to admit it was pretty good orange juice. Yeah. That's good. Do you, yeah. do you go through two a week? You'd have to go through two a week, wouldn't uh, you? I'll go through about one and a half. You already have one a day, do you? Mm, nice big, big cup of orange juice to start my day off. Yeah, no, I can see why, but you, must, listen, you must be in the big dollars. That's what I'm saying. Well, you know? I was drinking more wine than orange juice up in Kiteria, I tell you that. So anyway, so I got the platter, put it out, and I was pretty happy with myself. Mm. And then Joe turned up home, mm. and I could tell in that moment, she loved me a little bit more, John. Good times yeah. that night. Yeah, so if you're a host, if you're a man out there, especially you young men, because mm. men don't, did you know that stuff? Did no, you? I'm, I'm a good host. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Even when you were young? Always. Uh, see, I you wasn't. know what always wins is you get some some wraps and you put some kick-ass, um, um, kick-ass pesto on it. Yeah. Pesto. You bake those wraps. I think I've had some of those from you. You have. They're yeah. a winner every time. <laughs> they, they, and I have to admit, I go, that was a winner when I was eating it. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. And, but if you're a young man out there, and because the girls know this stuff, girls yeah. are just, there's things that women know that men don't, John. Mm. And we can learn. Hospitality. Yeah, women know hospitality. They just know that you just put stuff out. And like Joe, because even when Joe and I first met one time, we had a games night. Mm. And when me and my friends used to have games night, it was bluebird chips, some chocolate, mm. and, and some Coke. You yeah. know, that's how we yeah. rolled. And Joe came around and I could tell she was a little bit disgusted in me that I yeah. bought chips and coke. And, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and uh, so she went down to the shop actually and bought some, some flash stuff. Mm. And uh, and she's rubbing off on me, John. Mm. Actually. So now you have gourmet. Yeah, if you came around for a visit. Snails and uh, yeah, blue cheeses yeah. and stuff. Blue and cheese. a, bit, a bit of port to finish off the evening. Yeah, port. Uh, port. How could you drink that? <laughs> have you tried port? It just the smell of it. It just I couldn't touch it. Oh man, it just smelled like crap. Yeah, so so Joe's rubbing off on me. Although <clears throat> she did give me that I need to do more work around the house the other day. Mm. I, get, I get that every day. <laughs> she, she gave me that. Not a smile. I feel like I feel like I do everything thing. So yesterday, you know, notice how clean our windows are. Mm. The windows yesterday. And so I didn't. You set, I, I didn't want to. Well, no, the just, thing was just do the minimum. Minimum. <laughs> just to keep her off your back it's a secret of success I tell you just, just enough for her to go at least he tries yeah well no because I didn't tell her I did them yeah because I kind of thought 
you know, just let her notice that I'm, mm. you know, I, don't, I didn't, and I really wanted to tell her like all night. The only yeah. thing I wanted to tell her last night was, oh, I did the windows. Yeah. But I thought, no, no, don't tell her because she'll notice because she's, mm. Joe's pretty anal. She'll notice like the cleaner. So deep down, I know I've got credit, but I can't get the credit. She hasn't noticed. Well, I don't know. I want the credit. I want to say, look, babe, look how clean those windows are. Missed a spot over there. No, that's the outside. She did the outside. She missed it. (laughs) (laughs) Right, we've been going for too long. Let's roll. All right, Ed. We're recording Legends of Triathlon tomorrow, and John uh, Hellman's. We've got the legend that is John Hellman. Some of you guys won't have heard of him, but by tomorrow, by uh, February the first, they'll be coming out. You will have. Why? Why? Why is he such a legend? Just quickly. So he is. It's going to be a two-hour show. uh, He is. uh, I think he's maybe won seven. Seven age group world championship titles. That's a small part of his athletic career. He was a he was a, a working elite athlete. So at the age of forty, with a family, full time um, doctor. work doctor, uh, he finished in the top twenty of the world championships, and that was uh, and he was for age age forty. Wow. Um, and but let's be honest, like we're talking about legends and athletes, he's not a legendary like isn't Mark Allen, Dave Scott, kind no. of Melinda kind of guy, but one of the greatest thinkers of our sport, really, really brought the idea of training and all that kind of to the next level. He was mm. he was Aaron Baker's coach. Mm-hmm. He kind of came into sport where there wasn't much great thinking around what we were doing yeah. and he had a huge influence on the yeah. thinking of our sport. Didn't Especially he? in New Zealand. So he yeah. was uh, sort of the godfather of uh, setting up high-performance programs in New Zealand. So um, whilst a legend here, I think he deserves legendary status worldwide. There we go. Okay. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.